Well, here's the math on why that's uh, not actually fun. <laughs> I said that is one where, like, in the community, especially on Reddit, I see it kind of get crapped on a lot. Because mathematically, yeah, it doesn't work out to the most damage. But it's flavorful. People love dual wielding. No, I'm sure that's, a lot that's of people terrible. Do it. How many pe- like how many kids have been like, I want to use two daggers. They need to be shut down, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, son, you can't use two daggers. Real men use one rapier. One rapier. <laughs> I feel this is why we don't let you DM, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Just creating NPCs to bully all your choices. <laughs> you went with an abjuration wizard? Oof. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornable. And I'm Will Milden. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. For this special episode, we're taking a look at the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, uh, specifically the three subclasses in there, looking at the new spells, kind of talking through what we think of them, how they might work for multi-class in, and stuff like that. And if you stick around to the end, you'll hear some information about a giveaway we're doing of the book itself. So make sure you stick around for that. You may notice that we all sound a little different this time around. Uh, apologies for the decrease in audio quality. You know, we, we pride ourselves in trying to put out a good quality product most of the time. But, you know, coronavirus, staying at home, we're not safe to see each other. So, yeah, uh, hopefully it's not going to last forever. But for the foreseeable future, this will probably be what, what things sound like. And then we'll get back to normal when we're able to. So with that... Uh, today, again, we're going to be speaking to the Wildmount editions. Uh, so they added a couple of things in this book beyond the huge, huge lore dump and settings. Uh, we've got three subclasses, the Echo Knight, the Chronager, and the Gravitager Wizard. Man, should have looked up how to pronounce those ones. Um, the Wizards of Chronergy? Yeah, and Graviturgy? Yeah, that probably sounds right. Uh so, going to be talking about those subclasses, uh, looking at the Dunamancy spells that have been added. Uh, so, one thing that I want to bring up about this is this is a setting that is entirely based on the world that Matt Mercer uh, from Critical Role uses for the Critical Role show. I watch Critical Role and enjoy it. Uh, Kevin and Will both do not even a little bit watch it, uh, which is perfectly fine. Not everybody has hundreds and hundreds of hours to dedicate to watching any type of content. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous how much there is at this point. I think they're at episode 100 soon. So I guess take any of their opinions with a grain of salt, because they're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like the opposite of what is true, but all right, buddy. <laughs> um, so was there a subclass you guys wanted to start with? Start with Echo Knight. All right, that's what I was thinking too. It's right at the top. Okay, so the Echo Knight is a subclass for the fighter, uh, and it's using Dunamancy to fight. Uh, Its main ability is its Manifest Echo, uh, where it can create a an echo of itself to. it's back, back up here. <laughs> yeah, let's back up. Back up here a minute. Do you want to explain Dunamancy? Because unless you have followed the show or own the book and have read it, it's not anywhere else in D&D. 
Sure, it's a new type of magic. Uh, and its main focus is around controlling gravity in a localized area, as well as small bits of time. Uh, so it, I think there's some argument to be made around like, well, it's kind of divination, it's kind of transmutation, it's kind of a lot of things. Um, and I think Matt Mercer has definitely said plenty on the subject as such in that you know, it can be its own school of magic, or you can just say it's a combination of a couple and a weird way to use it. Uh, whatever way you want to use it and use it in your game is, I think, perfectly acceptable. And all of these subclasses have some sort of focus on it. Right. And obviously, since this is a very um, world-specific book, it's intended for use in the Wild Mount, Wild Mount setting. Like, it absolutely be taken and put into whatever setting you want so we are officially considering these subclasses official and open for multi-classing and different settings and whatnot a big part of the reason why we're doing this episode to dive into them is there like a flavor backing to dunamis that needs to be added to campaigns like are there giant dunamis crystals no i mean to <laughs> the overall flavor of it is that it's kind of like an, an ancient wizardry uh, that's picked up by a specific dynasty in Wildmount. I think if you were integrating it into your campaign, it's really up to you how you want to use it. I mean, if you just want to say, yeah, it's another school of magic, great. If you want to put an entire society behind it, feel free. Uh, I think that it's easy enough to drop in. It's not like we question, well, what's transmutation magic? I mean, we just you just kind of accept it and know what it is. If you're like, yeah, I'm playing a Sword Coast game and I want to throw it in, just throw it in. I think if you're if you're playing in the the Faerun setting, you're not too worried about sticking to the lore too hard. Just throw anything you want in there. There's already so much. That's kind of the point. I feel like a lot of times, if if you are in Faerun, I mean, you just kind of like it's like, oh, there's all this established lore. I'll use that when I need it. The rest of it, you know, throw. There's it. also a really solid map to steal, so. There you go. <laughs> like, oh, look at this DCL map. Where all People of the campaigns, stuff. all the campaigns are just localized in this like tiny little block, and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's all this other map. Just ignore it. They're just ignore it." <laughs> thousands, hundreds of thousands of square miles. Anyway, so yeah, the Echo Knight. So the yeah, as Jared was saying, the Echo Knight's a fighter subclass though, which uses dunamancy or the art of using dunamis. However you say it, yeah, I feel like we're it's a new school of magic. We're working yeah. through things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to fight, they specifically tap into the uh, altering time and tapping into different timelines to help them fight, where they confuse and confound the enemy with echoes and shadows of themselves and things like that. Uh, yeah, the first one, the Manifest Echo, they could basically make an echo of themselves, which right away sounds a lot like the Trickster Cleric. Mm-hmm. Um, invoked Duplicity, except for this is Our a lot better. Our favorite ability. Yeah, except oh, yeah. for this is what Invoked Duplicity should have been. So it has 14 AC and a hit point of 1 immune to all conditions. Um, if it makes a saving throw, it uses your saving throws. On your turn, you could command it to move 30 feet in any direction with no action required. If it's ever more than 30 feet of you, it does end. Uh, the echo can be used in the following ways as a bonus action. You could teleport, magically swapping places with your echo at the cost of 15 feet, regardless of the distance between the two of you. 
So that's pretty nice. Just kind of quick teleportation, just as a bonus action. Um, when you take the attack action on a turn, any attack you make with the action can originate from your space or the Echo space, which is really cool. And then when a creature that you can see within five feet of you, five feet of the Echo moves at least five feet away, you can make an opportunity attack through the Echo. And one thing that you missed, you said that its AC is 14. It's 14 plus your proficiency bonus. So that oh, does true. scale yeah. as you level up. Um, and one thing that, that's kind of interesting is because it's tied to your proficiency bonus, uh, is that it doesn't matter with multi-classing. Uh, if you have right. three in it, then your AC could be 19 if you're level 20 total. Or is it yeah. go to plus six? So I guess it can get up to an AC of 20 max. Right. Get up to plus six. Your proficiency bonus proficiency? goes up to six. Yeah, I think that gets up to plus six at like some high level. I don't remember when. Yeah, Probably. and as far as I can tell, there's no limit on how many times you can do this. It's just, it's a bonus action. Yeah, no limits at all. And I think that yeah. is, I don't know if I want to until it's destroyed or dismissed. But it's really easy to destroy. I mean, it literally has one HP. So, to some extent, it's like the greatest familiar you've ever had. <laughs> where you can, you know, just keep making it. That's easy enough. It's harder to hit than any familiar. Uh, I can attack in spaces for you that's really awesome but it is very easy to kill uh, right I think the one thing that a lot of people are going to miss though because i've already seen people missing this is it is not a creature which means that any spells that target a creature don't hit it which right. is a lot i think we talked about this with the um the artificers turrets where those aren't considered creatures either uh, it it kind of comes up a lot in the game, and it's it's something you got to pay attention to when it, something says this affects a creature. This is really considered more of an object. I don't think we talked about this on the podcast, but it was a pretty heated discussion. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, been. they omitted one word. No spell works now. It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of spells that just specify once again it's like a creature i'm pretty sure even um would fireball work against this of i'm pretty not. sure nothing works against it kevin it's not a creature <laughs> i think <laughs> most aoe's would work against it i can't remember well There's i mean some... it does specifically say that it's it's each creature in a 20-foot radius makes a deck creature throw and then it <clears throat> it ignites flammable objects is it considered a flammable object, or is it just an object? And it's neither of those. So, yeah, so it's not going to ignite the echo, but because of that line that it ignites flammable objects, it does affect non-creatures. So I would take it as the echo needs to make a saving throw. Does okay. it, or does it just die? I mean, oh, yeah, it's, it's just going to die regardless. Sure, yeah, it's half as much. It's half damage, and it only has one HP, so yeah. Um... So yeah, I would just, I mean, it's a third level spell to kill an Echo. Mm -hmm. It's so I would just easy let it to kill get it. back, though. And I, I think I'm yeah. with that as well. But it's it's so easy for it to get back, where it can just, it's just a bonus action on your yep. turn. You're basically never going to be without this thing. Yep. The I mean, only limitation here that they put in, which is a smart one, is it has to be 15 feet away from you. So you can't use it as some weird, like, every bonus action, I chain teleport myself along this path. Well, you it doesn't have to be 15 feet away. So yeah, it's just stuck within 15 feet of you. That's the conclusion. 
no, you can't it's, put it's these weird within, places to do. It's stuck within 30 feet of you. When you spawn it, it has to be within 15. Mm-hmm. And then you get 30 feet. And that's not, I mean, it's not crazy far, but I, I don't think there's many times that a battlefield spans much further than that, or that you would specifically want it to be much further. No, but you can't do things like explore dungeons with it, and you can't do things like, oh, he goes on an assassination mission. <laughs> I think later on he can. Yeah, later on you can totally do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so right away at third level, the ability to teleport, I, I think is nice in the sense of you don't need to worry about opportunity attacks. Yeah, you're not going to like leave the battle that way. Mm-hmm. But you can, you know, even if it's 10 feet away, so you're actually losing 5 feet of movement, you're getting yourself out of danger. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, a, place with it. that's very useful. Um, I think, just once again, thinking from like a, a multi-class perspective, um, I could see a lot of people making the mistake of, of thinking this could be used to get sneak attack. Um, but I don't think it officially would, would it? Once again, with not being a creature. Hmm. Yeah, that's is that the yeah, is terminology? It is official. I mean, Jeremy Crawford himself said that this is officially an object, not a creature. Um, but yeah, I guess it says a friendly ally. Does so, a friendly creature? You don't need advantage attack? on the attack roll if another enemy of the target is within five feet of it. That enemy isn't incapacitated, and you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. That sounds like it would work to me then. Yeah. Because it doesn't say a creature, it just says an enemy. The object is an enemy. Yeah, I would say the trigger sneak attack. Because the idea is is that phrasing. Yeah, I think the idea is is that there's something there distracting the enemy, so you could get your precision attack in. So yeah, I would say it's probably a really solid way to give a rogue sneak attack. Could you get sneak attack? Because you could the attack originating from the Echo Knight give sneak attack. Like, if you're attacking from it, can you use your sneak attack bonus there? Hmm. When you yes. take the attack action on a turn, any attack you make with that action could originate from your space or the Echo space. So, flavor-wise, it's like the Echo is attacking, but as that's written raw, it's saying your your attack originates from the Echo space. Mm-hmm. Which means it's your attack. So then, yeah. So, yeah, if the rules for sneak attack apply... Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did we, we already did fight a rogue, didn't we? We oh yeah, forever ago. We didn't do fighter do no miss rogue. <laughs> Echo Knight. Now's the time. So yeah, I think that um this is a this is one of those subclasses that is very well worded, in my opinion, to <laughs> to challenge people and that's the only way i can put it is because there is a lot of that just like little things that might come up of like well would this work here or does this work here it's it's definitely not going for the straight laced you're a fighter uh there's some some technical know-how you might need in order to to really get the most out of a class like this yeah, it, this yeah. is not the kind of uh, fighter subclass that's going to be throwing down pure damage numbers out of the gate. So, it's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, officially, its first, you know, third level thing doesn't help in damage at all. It really just helps in battlefield placement, for the most part. Um, 
that Unleash Incarnation, which is its other third level ability, does. Um, so you can heighten your Echo's Fury. When you take the attack action, you can make one additional melee attack from the Echo's position. Uh, so you can use five it extra melee equal to your, Yeah, con modifier. That's really not that much, though. And that's per long yeah. rest. It doesn't even reset on a short True. rest. Compared yeah. to a Battlemaster, this is very minuscule. Right. I mean, Constitution's not even going to be your first thing that you get to 20. That's true. Yeah, it'll probably be plus 2 or plus 3 at third level. So you get 2, maybe 3 extra attacks per long rest. Eh. That's yeah. kind of like a really cheapy action surge, but it's nice that it's there, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. turn it down. <laughs> And it has to be from the Echo's position. Which, Great. I mean, that's a very small thing. I don't think that would hinder you too often, but, you know, there is that stipulation. And this doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of weapon you're using. So... Huh. That's a good, right. well, it does say a melee weapon attack. Wait, the melee weapon attack? Yes, for the unleashed incarnation. Yeah. Which is melee attack, but yeah. Okay, for that. In general, when it attacks, it doesn't have to be a melee attack, though. No. So you could be a ranged fighter, and, I mean, I don't know how this would particularly help you, but just set up on, you know, two different sides and you're both taking shots, you wouldn't be able to use your Unleash unleash Incarnation, but you can do, I don't know, everything else. I mean, that would actually be a perfect way to support yourself as a ranged fighter you send him out there or whatever right you could make your like off melee attacks through him i don't know yeah that's something i don't see why not now it doesn't say that you have to use any particular weapon it just says you make an attack as if it's coming from you so (laughs) if you're holding a longbow and you tell it to make an attack then what does it use? It has it to use sh- a longbow, right? If you're holding a longbow. It just shoots an arrow out of its chest or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, then it better not be within five feet, because then it gets disadvantaged. Yeah. Well, no, it's going to have whatever weapons you have. And right. so, again, you make the attack as if you're from the Echo's position. Right, and I'm saying if you're a ranged fighter who's using a longbow or crossbow, right. you've got that in your hands, unless yeah, you put you that would away and to... take out a sword. Yes, that's well, you, you would need to drop it and then pull out a melee weapon which sounds really silly in practice where you're just like super far away and taking these like crazy shots and then you just throw down your longbow and take out your sword and you're like now you you finish this up (laughs) (laughs) what it's you swing and your echo follows suit you could also you could theoretically do the reverse right so yeah you you are in melee range with a bow right Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then you shoot through some other guy. That makes sense. So that way, if, if like you would have had disadvantage otherwise, you know, because something gets up in your grill, then yeah. you just go ahead and, you know, have your, your buddy shoot. Or you just magically switch places. And then or now that. your buddy's in front of him, and you take the shots. Right. I mean, that Both really options. is the thing that I love. Is it's just ability to just magically swap places is really interesting and i i feel like it gets it makes you feel like a badass without a doubt right the teleport behind you nothing personal kid stuff right there (laughs) oh god that'd be so annoying as a dm just like slipping away every time 
yeah, I mean, it actually does get, I mean, not impossible, but at least a little bit hard to to really land hits consistently on this guy. They're going to be slippery. Because the Echo is so disposable. I mean, throw it up, eh, it's got one HP, maybe they hit it, maybe they miss, because it's got a pretty good AC. I mean, even at fifth level, it's going to have 17 AC. Nothing to scoff at. And if they hit, whatever. I'll call it back as a bonus action next turn and, you know, continue to do this thing where it's just right in front and let them have to deal with that first. Right. Continuing on the multi-class discussion, I, it sounds like if you were multi-classed into Druid, you could do this while wild-shaped. Ooh, it is a class feature. I don't see yeah. why not. So that's kind of neat. I don't see why that would help you a whole bunch, but uh, could you smite through this? I, I guess you could. It's... Yeah. You can smite all the time, <clears throat> every time. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. <laughs> now would rage damage work through it? Yes. It's, the attack is coming from you. I yeah, like just as if you're in that space. Yeah. That seems like really clear wording. I don't... I can't think of any exception to that, to be honest. I can't hmm. either. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you couldn't do something like flurry of blows through it. Because that's not the attack action. Yeah. Right. That's a bonus action triggered off an attack action. Right. So like your echo could not flurry of blows for you. But it can, they should, okay, uh... right, you can, well, no, you're right, because it's only on the attack action. So, any bonus action right. attacks, any, re except for the, its own ability to uh, react to opportunity attacks, uh, none of that works. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, what about War Mage, the feat that lets you cast a spell as a reaction? It would not be able to do that, Correct. So it's, it's, you can use your reaction to make an opportunity attack against this creature as if you were in the echo space. And so basically, no, yeah, war magic, whatever it's called, isn't that the specific saying, as your opportunity attack, you could cast a spell? I think so, right? Man, those uh, keyboard strokes really pick up. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I get for Oh, yes. Mechanical so keyboards. Seat? Uh... Literally the most popular. Nah, isn't it's, yeah, not War Magic. That's the subclass. Yeah. Why? I can't believe we're blanking on this. Warcaster? Warcaster. That's it. You can use your reaction to cast a spell at the current creature rather than making an opportunity attack. Does say rather than. Oh, rather than. Okay. So I would say no. You could. That would not work. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, well, this, this subclass is busted. <laughs> <laughs> One feet combo doesn't work. No, no, I definitely do not think it's bad because of that. Actually, I think this is really good. Uh, it's interesting uh, more than anything. It would probably pair really well with Sentinel. I imagine oh, Sent Sentinel would trigger off of this. Yeah. Where if um, you could do an opportunity... Well, okay, part of Sentinel. The part of Sentinel where if you hit somebody with an opportunity attack, their speed drops to zero. Right. Yeah, that that's really clear. When, the, when you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, the creature speed becomes zero for the rest of the turn. So that's still definitely going to apply. The rest of it, though... Um, like disengaging before leaving your reach? 
provoking right. opportunity attack. Would that still work? That's here. When a creature they can see within five feet of Yarko moves at least five feet. Shit. Actually, it sounds like disengage wouldn't work on this echo, regardless of feats. Why do you say that? When a creature that you can see within five feet of Yako moves at least five feet away from it, you can use your reaction to make an opportunity attack against that creature as if you were in the echo space. That's the entire skill. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't say, it doesn't it doesn't say, say like, unless they disengage or... It specifically doesn't say if they leave your reach. It just says if it moves at least five feet away. Yeah. Weird. So if you also had Sentinel... Because it does say make an opportunity attack, you would still reduce it to zero. So even right. if somebody had, I mean, really anything that lets them disengage without provoking an opportunity attack, I think... It oh wouldn't gosh. matter. Mobile, I believe, would not still. When you make a melee attack against a creature, you don't provoke an opportunity attack from that creature for the rest of the turn. That's mobile. Hmm. But you would still be That's moving five feet away. Oh, boy, that I feel I like say... that was that was a weird, rough wording to say. Opportunity attacks through this creature. I don't Oppor- know. Opportunity attacks what? Like the five feet thing in the echo detail seems just like a kind of kludge to get that in there. It's like, oh, you know how opportunity attacks work? We're just gonna summarize that in like one half of a sentence. Yeah, yeah I, that's how I would interpret it, but I mean, raw, it's... <laughs> I, I wish it just said, like, Echoes have a default reach of five feet, regardless of the weapon that you have. Uh, and then, you know, if they move at least five feet away from it, or out of its reach, and then just define what the Echo's reach is, and then if they move out of that reach, opportunity attack. Well, that's so essentially that, what it's saying. Essentially, but, yes. So, so uh, <laughs> even with your modified wording... Let's say the creature disengages. Based on that, the echo could still hit it. Right. Which I think is probably the way that it, it, it probably should be. But what do I know? You think? Um, I mean, yeah, it seems a little bit weird that something can disengage and still get hit by this. It's not like it's... Oh, okay, never mind. I thought you were saying it should be able to get hit. No, 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 no. I misunderstood, yeah. No, it seems so, a little yeah, weird Yeah, I, I don't know that. if that's an oversight in wording. I don't know. We'll have to yell at Jeremy Crawford later. We always Adam, say that, bro. and we never do. Yeah, I say we never treat him. <laughs> we just wait for somebody else to do it, and they're like, "Oh yeah. yes, hmm. yeah." Hey, guys, bus- I'm sure he's ago. a busy man. He's got a lot on his plate. I feel bad, but I am about these little nitpicky scenarios. <laughs> I am convinced that an intern replies to 75% of those until they're just like, "Uh, Jeremy, I actually don't get this one." He just like bats them aside. <laughs> yeah, they can't. They have to be very careful because the intern can't willy nilly say these things, or you'll have a literal legion of nerds upset about it. <laughs> well, that's what happens when he contradicts himself. You know, like when it's like oh, a year man. in between, and it's like one of these answers is different than what he says a year or two later. It's just like, oh, that was the intern. The intern. It's always it it's always mildly different, and there's this always this like huge point being made. It's like Jeremy Crawford once self contradicted over the course of five years. Five <laughs> E is a broken system. <laughs> I've definitely never contradicted myself. Never, no. Same. We've been purely consistent. No. 
Everything I say is exponentially reinforcing. <laughs> Dig back through our own episode, old episodes and find where we contradict ourselves. I'm sure it happened a lot. Literally me talking about how much I hate the Ranger subclass, or the, the Ranger class, up to me now where I'm like, if you say the Ranger yeah. class sucks, you are the worst person in the world. The Ranger <laughs> class is fine, it's everyone's DMing that sucks. <laughs> so is that a contradiction or just growth? I... No, it's, it's growth, this, because yeah. I've done the exact opposite. I've just, like, doubled down despite slightly changing my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so the last three levels of Ranger are literally dog duty. That I will stand by. Oh, 20, dude. <laughs> Alright, moving on. We've been on the third level features for a while. <laughs> a lot to it. A lot to unpack. Yeah. yeah. Alright, uh, level 7, they get Echo Avatar. Uh, you can temporarily transfer your consciousness to your Echo. Um, as an action, you can see through its eyes and hear through its ears. Um, you can sustain this effect for 10 minutes, or you can end it at any time for no action. And when you're using your Echo in this way, it could be up to 1,000 feet from you without being destroyed. So, Will, you know how you're saying, like, oh, you can't use this to go explore a dungeon? This is how you can. Yeah, and that's I like that addition because it's balanced. If you had this out of the gate, it would just make Find Familiar embarrassing. Right. right. But a 7th level ability, that's pretty good. Right. And I think that it is a little bit limited to what we just said, is that kind of scouting thing, because it still has one hit point. Right. Or Yeah, or you could, I mean, use it to, I guess you can't really talk through it, can you? I said you can, like, send it in to negotiate into a dangerous situation, but I don't think you could talk through it. Can you teleport with it? I don't think so. No, because that's still limited? To As a bonus yeah, action? Yeah, that's still, that's still limited to the 30 feet. As a bonus action, you can teleport magically slop, swapping places with your Echo at the cost of 15 feet of your movement, regardless of the distance. Regardless between, between the distance, okay. No, oh. You're right, and then there was the other line saying it's destroyed if it's within 30 feet. Right. And that's, so this is a different way of using it. Do different rules apply? Can you do all of this attacking stuff? I'm assuming no. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say. Well, like you are level. you are deafened and blinded. So right. I think you can, but it's like it's disadvantage and like maybe. taking any attack actions. I mean, it would also be dumb. Like, let's just get that out of the way. If you're like, right. it, okay, unless you cheese it real hard. It takes a bonus action to make. You literally just, like, send your Echo into the next room or whatever and, like, you know, lock the door behind it and then just have it attack once. It gets attacked, dies. You remake the Echo, open up the door, send it through, close the door, attack what's behind <laughs> it. It can get pretty cheesy. I don't know. I think I, I guess it feels I, like a lot of that's up to DM interpretation. It, it just doesn't really explain it. Yeah, I think my interpretation is, and I don't have a good reason behind this. So if somebody wants to argue it, go for it. Any of the uh, things where it says you can use the echo in the following ways under manifest echo, just the bonus action to teleport, taking the attack action, uh, and the opportunity attack stuff. I think all of that goes away in this echo avatar state. Yeah, yeah, that, that thousand foot teleportation <laughs> it gets a little nuts. It gets really nuts. I mean, that's and I, I just can't. It it seems like it's missing a line to say that like all those things shut down. But the point is, you're going into a like specific state, 
where you're blinded, you're deafened, and you're seeing through its eyes, but you're not supposed to be doing other stuff through it. So right. this is also not limited either. Not limited to what? Anything. You can just do this, right? Right. Right. Just an action to initiate it. So it on its face, it is a thousand foot free teleport. But you have to walk to the place you're teleporting. <laughs> yeah. In less than well, ten minutes. Yeah, that's true. Also the echo it can't interact with anything. Mm-hmm. Like you can't open doors. But at the same time, it doesn't face through walls like Arcane Eye or something like that. Yeah. It can't pick up objects. So it's like this whole grand plan is thwarted by a closed door. It's like, I guess if you're in an open field or like if you're outside. Sure. Yeah, you could get a thousand foot free teleport that you have to take the time to walk there. And then it's like. (laughs) That's the worst party. But doesn't it let you just get past traps? Yes. But this thing will die in a trap. Then or will it? One. Oh, actually, not if the trap says that it targets a creature. Well, yeah, right. that's the thing. It's total DM discretion what a trap targets. Yeah, I guess you'd just be changing every time that it says a creature. Then it's like, no, it's just an object now. A creature, comma, or one of my dick players, Echo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then that... I mean, it depends on the trap. It's, like, I guess, sure, if it's like a pit trap in a hallway, it's like a one-time thing. Yeah, you could. This is a way to get the fighter past it. It's never like, a so one time thing with players. It's never a one time thing. No, no, no. I mean, if the trap's a one time thing, it sets right. off and it's done. You know, or there's like a like a blade in the wall, and you hit a tripwire and it shoots out and it's sprung, and that's that. Sure, this might. It's an easy way to get a fighter past it. But those traps are easy to get past, anyways. And it only gets one person past it. Because then you get the fighter past it. It's alright, the fighter's past it. What are they going to do? <laughs> now we have to roll like 16 other dice to see if anybody else falls into the pit that we already opened. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Well, actually, so that's the If it's not a creature, it doesn't interact with anything. It doesn't have a weight. It wouldn't trigger the pit trap anyways. It just gets the fighter to the other end of the spooky hallway. Right. Like, I'm okay with that. You know, and, and like the really good traps where it's supposed to like feel like it stumps your player and they have to get creative are the ones where it's like the room locks and you're going to die unless you figure this out. The, the echo is not going to help with that. Or ah, it's a magical trap. You know, or it's a magical <laughs> trap where it's it will continuously go off over and over and over again. So even if the echo sets it off once or the fighter gets passed, everyone else has to deal with it. The one thing that is mildly interesting is that it says that if it has to make a saving throw, it uses your saving throw bonuses for the roll. So there is some expectation of this thing making rolls. Right. And making saving throws. So, I mean, that that screams traps to me. Does that scream yeah. traps to you? Yes. It kind of, like, says traps to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, suggests it in, like... It literally grabs me by the face and yells... Traps! This entire subclass is to get around traps! Matt, why are you in my house? (laughs) I don't know what it's worth, but I am sure that Matt Mercer only had a hand in these. He didn't make it himself. If he made it himself, then it would have been riddled with flaws, just like the Blood Hunter, and just like the Cobalt Monk, and... (laughs) 
It's a different Which layer. Which is nothing against Batman. No, it's or, not. Like, it's I mean, not we, if we just, like, individually in isolation put out a subclass that we homebrewed, it's going to be riddled with flaws. Yes. Yes, it and is. It's tough to get it right, especially if I'll playtest it. He also has, like, specifically come out and said, like, yeah, the first, you know, iteration of all of these classes really sucked and were super broken. And the second I put them online, everybody pointed it out to me and I felt really dumb. So <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah, he's good with that. But seriously, I, I hate the Blood Hunter so much. It's the dumbest class. <laughs> the entire point of the class they is put you, it hurt in you hurt yourself to activate your abilities. So you can very often just get yourself in a scenario where you can't do anything unless you're willing to just slice yourself up. It's very silly. You know what game did that actually really well is Darkest Dungeon. But that game was designed around you like losing your little players over and over and over again until you mentally broke inside. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great mechanic, but like you right. go through like a hundred identical looking pawns and you just feel numb inside. Not great for D and D. No. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So, so yeah, a lot of DM discretion stuff there, but definitely. Onto its 10th level ability, it's Shadow Martyr. Uh, you can make your Echo throw itself in front of an attack directed at another creature that you can see. Before the attack roll is made, you can use your reaction to teleport the Echo to an unoccupied space within 5 feet of the target creature. The attack roll that triggered the reaction is instead made against your Echo. You can only use this one time, comes back on a short or long rest. Pretty good. I mean, that's nice just taking a free hit yeah yeah you save this up for like big hits now is it after it's before it's the attack before the attack rolls so before you even know if it hits that's what makes yeah. it a little iffy right because if it was like, like after the rolls made it's like great that's a 20 echo you're gonna take that um, right it's just like a really awesome shield but a one time and then you I mean yeah I mean, but yeah, it's I, I don't know. Like, what's what are what else are uh, fighters getting at level ten? I'm pulling them up. You got, always got to think about it. That sounds like what right, is it yeah. being compared to? It's usually not much. Uh, that's your battle master at level ten. Their superiority dice turns into d tens. Champions get an additional fighting style. Yeah, cavaliers get to hold the line uh, when they provoke an opportunity attack from you. They move five feet or more while you're reaching. You hit a creature with an opportunity attack. It's nothing crazy. I mean, yeah. I thought Eldritch Knight's got something really good. Eldritch does. It's an Eldritch Strike. You learn how to make your weapon strikes undercut a creature's resistance to your spells. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, the creature has disadvantage on the next saving throw it makes against a spell you cast before the end of your right. next turn. Right. Okay. Which sounds a lot better than it is. It does Everybody. because Eldritch Knights shouldn't. Everybody have wants that. They want the, like, how do I give this guy disadvantage on my big saving throw bomb? But Eldritch Knights do not. You don't get big saving throw bombs. You're like, oh, yeah, right. I'm definitely going to get whole person off. Oh, he still rolled over a 13. Darn. <laughs> Guess I should have raised <laughs> that spell save a little. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have gone into an Eldritch Knight with minus one intelligence. <laughs> So, I mean, it's it's good. So, I think yeah. that it'll get used, definitely. Sucking yeah, up like it's, it's a free thing you have. I think it's decent. But I'm not seeing any game-changing stuff out of this. 
honestly, at the end of the day, you might use it and the attack misses anyways. It might be a one. And you're like, oh, well, right. I did it. But the times where it works out, where you're like, oh, this person's really low. They've got five HP. I'm going to throw my shard Shadow Martyr. Uh, and the enemy swings, gets a 20, and you're taking that blow. It's going to feel really awesome. So at right. least there's that. There's the potential for it to be really, really cool. It's just reliant on dice. So, I mean, uh, like, with regards to the one, it's not... I mean, it's pretty, pretty fucking wasted, but it's not totally wasted. Your echo doesn't go away. Yeah, your echo doesn't go away, That's but true. I mean, what's it take? To and get now it it's next to the guy you didn't want to get hit. There's Ooh. something, yeah, yeah. The consolation prize of accidentally using this on a one. Unless it's now thirty feet away. Yeah. I mean, you because like, I would assume if it's you know more than thirty feet away from you. It's after it takes the hit, or doesn't take the hit, misses it, whatever, then it's going to disappear. Yeah, if you're using it to send it across the battlefield. So, I mean, it might work out, might not. Eh. You know, I could actually see that coming up more than I thought it would initially. Like, 30 feet is a decent amount of space, but battlefields get more spread out than that. They can, that's for sure. But I think it's not like a, a huge hindrance, though, where you're going to be, I guess, beyond this. I mean, that's a 10th level we're talking about. You're not going to need it to be much further. Or I guess it might just be something that you kind of have to, to keep in mind tactically. You know, if your wizard gets 100 feet back, maybe you need to move closer in order to either switch places or make sure that it's still up if you use your Shadow Martyr. I don't know. It just affects how you you place yourself, but it opens up so much of your ability to just you know teleport around the battlefield and do whatever you need there that I feel yeah. like it's a worthwhile trade off. Because what's the worst that happens? It gets out of range. Okay, I'll just bring it back as a bonus action next turn. What do fighters use their bonus actions for? Second wind. Second wind. Yeah, they, I mean, like thinking like Logan, our fighter, he's always like. I've got a bonus action. What do I do? Am I out of health? Second wind. So it's yeah. not like rogues where it's that constant competition for your bonus action. Right. So right. that's this is a that's ridiculously good action slot to slide that in. Yeah, and even the the Eldritch Note Knight, which Logan is, uh, he uses it to recall his weapon, but that only comes up if he's throwing it. Or if he makes a weapon attack, then I think he... Or a cantrip. If he uses a cantrip, then he can make a weapon attack with his bonus action. But that's an Eldritch Knight. That's the only thing it's reliant on is class-specific stuff. That's not going to come up for your your base fighter. Unless you're dual weapon fighting. But that's just kind of... Get out of here, man. (laughs) Both of you at the same time. Just... eh, (laughs) Should you? Well, here's the math on why that's uh, not actually fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i said that is one where like in the community especially on reddit i see it kind of get crapped on a lot because mathematically yeah it doesn't work out to the most damage but it's flavorful people love dual wielding no it's, it's, i'm sure that's, a lot that's of people terrible do it. how many people like how many kids have been like i want to use two daggers they need to be shut down kevin <laughs> <laughs> it's like no Son, you can't use two daggers. Real men use one rapier. One rapier. <laughs> I feel this is why we don't let you DM, Will. 
Just creating NPCs to bully all your choices. <laughs> you went with an abjuration wizard? Oof. <laughs> God. Alright, uh, moving on. Reclaim potential, 15th level feature. So, you've learned to absorb the fleeting magic of your epo- echo. Uh, when it's destroyed by taking damage, you can uh, gain a number of temporary hit points equal to 2d6 plus your con mod, provided you don't already have 10 hit points, which I think is kind oh. of an odd line. Yeah, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your con modifier. Uh, you get it all back on a long rest. So, nice little ability. It's not a crazy amount of health, but it's like it's dying anyways. And it just happens, right? It doesn't take a reaction or anything. Nope. Yeah, it just happens. But yeah, the the line provided that you don't already have temporary hit points is odd because any every other sense temporary hit points. I mean, they don't stack, but you could choose to take them, and it just replaces what you have. So if you have one tap hit point, and then this triggers, and it would give you thirteen, you usually are able to take it, and it replaces your one with thirteen. Right. I find it odd that the this one works different. I don't. Even it feels know intentional, do though. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, they wouldn't say yeah. it otherwise. But, but we don't the know intent? the mystery of why. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing because it's so. No, you can't. This is limited too. This is right. Limited. Right. If it happened every single time it got destroyed, it would make sense because then you just call it. You'd let it get attacked. It takes its one HP of damage, and then you've got two d six plus four or five, whatever your con mod is at fifteen, probably twenty at that point because this relies on constitution a lot. Um, and then, like, you know, you're just going to keep doing it over and over. But limiting it to your constitution modifier, I would probably just wait and wait for it to get destroyed again. I, right. I just, I don't know. Hmm. I don't I don't really like it. <laughs> I don't like the fact that you can't just replace your 10 HP. For a 15th level ability, I kind of want dumb limitations like that to just start being removed. Right, because I mean, ultimately, 2d6 plus your con, I mean, it's, at 15th level, it's probably a coming hit. out to one hit. Yeah, I'll hit. Maybe. So, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure about that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I really want to see how that plays out in actual play, and I could very easily see me just kind of pushing that aside. Right. It's like, oh, I've got one HP left, like, can I just use it anyways? It's like, yes, because that was a, a poorly written feature sorry <laughs> i don't know it's i think the biggest uh thing is it's just so damn easy to i guess bait this into triggering yeah like, for sure your one hp thing you know i mean it's got like a decent amount of ac at this point but it should not be hard to get this to trigger and it'd be super metagamey of the DM, I think, if they're like, yeah, I'm just not going to kill that because I know you need those temp hit points. Depending on the enemy. I mean, if it's like a, a beast of any type, yeah, it should probably just attack the Echo. But I could very easily see an intelligent enemy attacking the Echo, seeing them bring it back next turn, and on top of that, like, gaining some energy or something or a protective barrier after this thing gets killed and being like, oh... It's kind of pointless for me to attack that thing because it's just going to keep doing it. I mean, we, yeah, for even, an, regardless for an of the claim. Yeah, for an intelligent enemy, there's like no reason to attack this thing. I mean, it's just going to keep coming back every turn. Just leave it. I don't think it poses right. enough of a threat. It might be like a oh, I need to get from 
from here to there, and I don't want it to attack me, all right, I'm just going to waste one of my multi-attacks on this thing and then move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I like the idea behind Reclaim Potential. Kind of gives you a nice little boost for your Echo dying. Yeah, just that, as you said, that limits a little odd, but... Yeah, but it's, I'm still not going to be disappointed when I get to 15th level. That's that's pretty right. nice. And, you know, if we're... I really do think your con mods are going to be probably plus five. At least I would go for that if I'm if I'm feeling min-maxy, because this just relies on constitution so much. Um, you know, you're getting an average of 12 HP every time, and that's five times, so that's an extra 60 temp HP if you use it correctly, on average. Right. Yeah, it adds that's up. pretty good per per long rest. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. And then the final Echo Knight at level 18, Legion of One. Uh, basically, you get two Echoes instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. If you try and make a third, the other two are destroyed and stuff like that. But um, anything you can do from one Echo's position can be done from the other instead. So it just it gives you a whole lot more flexibility. But you get the third level ability. When you get one of these, we kept talking about the flexibility and teleporting around and how cool that is. Mm-hmm. It just doubles your chances. It's just cooler. Yeah, I like it. Um, and, and then also... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, um, in addition, when you roll initiative, if you have no Unleash Incarnation... No uses of, yeah, Unleash Incarnation features left, you regain one use of this feature. Which is... Which is okay. nice. I say that's awesome. Really? So that's the one when, when you take an attack check, you, you can make an additional melee attack from each position, from that coast position, where that's limiting your con modifier, and it's... Uh, right. Comes back in a long rest, or saying, "Oh, like five use of the long rest." It's basically an extra attack each fight. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good at seventeenth level yeah. fighter. You've got, I mean, two 18th, uses yeah. of action surge. You've right. got three attacks every single time you attack. One additional right. one is is good. I'm not going to turn it down, but I don't right. think it's. Game I mean, that's game. literally the capstone of the game. It's one additional attack. Right at twentieth level, you but, get three. You know, but that's every turn. Time. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And if all eighteenth level was was that, that'd be really disappointing. But as I can add on to the Legion of One. Right. No, I think you're right. I don't think it needs to be that huge. So it's cool. It's cool. I also like those as top levels, like because like when you run out of resources for a lot of those things, you just kind of feel gimped. Yeah. Like monks for, get that too, you know. Monks uh, get that. Warlocks get it. You just get what, free right. bonus every time combat starts. What does what do warlocks get? Uh no, I don't. Know. I don't think they get the initiative one, do they? You just lie, didn't you? you just, yeah, I just make just, stuff up. I was trying to sneak that lies. in. I was like, you know what warlocks should get in the back of my mind is like a free thing every initiative. <laughs> I'm not biased. Um, it's just they fair. can spend a minute getting expended spell slots back at 20th level. Yeah, that's their capstone. Which is close, but it's not on initiative. No. It might as well be, though. If you're out of spell slots as a warlock and you're like, yeah, I just need a minute, that's a, just in between any combat. No, honestly, right. I think you should get that every initiative from. For a game. warlock? Yeah, yeah. You just every initiative you have full spells. Oh. <laughs> Fine, but they just, never just get give them over, unlimited spells. They never get over two spells or slots. Like the spell slots go up to second level, and that's it. That honestly, oh, that's no, that's not fair. Let's just start with fifth, <laughs> ninth level. 
<laughs> no, we could totally make subclasses. They would be great. Nobody would complain at all. <laughs> the warlock improved. Everything in the 20th level right out of the gate. Fuck it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so bringing it back to the Echo Knight, uh, I guess overall thoughts on it? I'm a fan. I think it's flavorful. It sounds fun to play. I'd want to give it a shot. I think there's some multi-class potential. Um, not There's not a single one of the levels I feel like wasted. You know, some are better than others. Some feel like, oh, that's just okay. But that's I know every single one of these abilities, I'm going to use it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. I don't think it's like um, like Battlemaster's 7th level ability, uh, where you literally just like can scope out somebody for a minute and learn some stuff about them. Like oh, man, which is somehow outcompeted by the champion's remarkable athlete. What's the remarkable athlete? You can add half your proficiency bonus round up to any strength or dex or con check that you don't already have proficiency in. That's pretty good. It's jack-of-all-trades. You're a champion. Up. What physical attribute skills are you not going to have proficiency in? Acrobatics. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So now you're slightly more acrobatic. And, <laughs> and when you make a running long jump, you cover... Just the number of uh, feet is just your strength. Or what? what is it? Increase it by your strength mod. Wow, that's really far. That Five is far. more feet. Which never Oh, comes strength up. mod. Yeah. I was thinking strength score. Which could be oh. additional 20 feet. Yeah. IRL, okay. that's actually, like, that's a decent improvement to your long jump. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just overnight, you just could jump an additional five feet. That's pretty absurd. I, it would never come up for me, personally. <laughs> it would if you just woke up and could jump five feet further. Like, yeah, every like, day, like, I step outside of my house. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to jump to the sidewalk today. I mean, how far do you think you can jump right now? Running long jump. About 45 feet. <laughs> <laughs> like like an Mario average jump? amount for a healthy male of my age. 45 feet? <laughs> yeah. You think you could running long jump 45 feet? Yeah, like the length of a pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> I guess five feet wouldn't help you much. You got me there. <laughs> Slightly larger pickup truck. I don't get the what's the what's the big deal? Well, if it was me and I could go from jumping the length of a car door to, <laughs> to the length of a car, I'd use that all the time. Look at this guy jumping the length of a car door. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I try a running long jump, I just trip. <laughs> it's like I'm not physically capable of it. I try and jump, and I just fall on my face. <laughs> Gravity sucks you back down. It's the Dunamancy. Oh, yep. <laughs> um, I'm gonna For agree, comparison, I... the world record lo- running long jump is 29 feet. Just over 29 feet. That's pathetic. That's, That's really fucking crazy. far. That's, That's like the far. length of a Civic, man. Civic? How long do you think you, a Civic is? You have no concept of distance. <laughs> How long could be a Civic be? 29 feet? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll say again, this is a pretty darn interesting subclass. I, I think that it's nice that they're adding something that doesn't feel, I guess, kind of simple. It doesn't feel simple at all. Again, I think it adds a lot of tactical know-how to your fighter class. Uh, if they mm-hmm. added another, you know, champion, but a little bit of a change, I'd have been 
pretty underwhelmed. Um, for the they flavor, did with the UA. They did with the UA. Uh, they have a couple of times. The the Rune Knight, I don't even think is super interesting. It's not bad, but that's uh, another conversation. Um, now, the flavor, I feel like I'm not really appreciating that much. Where it's just like a, you know, a soldier who uses dunamancy just for their fighting. Like, I don't think it's, I don't know, there's no, like, real heavy tie to this echo. I don't know. And maybe there's more in this book that, like, talks about it. Because it does mention how it's, like, a, a feared so frontline warrior of the Kryn dynasty. Yeah, that's, like, the flavor. And if there's no Kryn dynasty... I don't know. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, you just make it fit in your world. Um, I mean, it's saying it's so it's that could has mastered the art of using Dunamis to summon the fading shades of unrealized timelines to aid them in battle. I don't. That sounds kind of like an impressive thing to do. It sounds pretty impressive. I can't do yeah. that. No, I can't do that. <laughs> so why are you here saying like, oh, all they do is just summon fading chains of different timelines it's like oh there's not much to that it's like i don't know it's kind of cool i guess what how i meant it was more of i don't see much to work off of and that's could just be me being lazy usually is um but i guess i'm just i'm not like immediately overwhelmed with the possibilities for characters it sounds like a thing that you're like yeah i studied that and that's that's about where it ends right yeah, yeah, I don't see this really cracking open a whole new path for your fighter to go down. Right. I had a mentor Which was already such things. an open-ended class that our flavor is always, always garbage. It's like, wow, <laughs> why did you become a fighter? It's like, I fought stuff more than <laughs> twice a day. I don't know. This guy did it in an echoey fashion. I, don't, I, I really like this as... Uh, I think this is the best multi-class but i might be biased because i don't like the battle master and that's fair i mean I'll, I'll give you that because the battle master as i think we've talked about before it's like it's such an obvious choice for every single multi-class three level dip. yeah for a three level dip that's like eh. but i could see this actually competing uh pretty pretty right. hard actually yeah you get manifest echo and unleash incarnation yeah I, that's great. That's a pretty yeah, I love yeah. it. So, I think I think this has crazy rogue potential. Crazy rogue. I think the fact that it competes with Battlemaster on a three level dip is cause for celebration in its own. We finally found something. Right. And I'll say anyone who wants to be a trickster cleric, just go to this. Oh, that sucks to hear, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Everything that you think is cool. Well, I about guess you get cleric. no spell casting, but <laughs> Why don't you just do both? A dip into Trickster Cleric and this, and then one of your shadows is fighting while the other one's casting spells? Ooh. That would confuse okay. people, I think. It would be kind of a cool, I guess, if you did Fighter Cleric, you'd do Fighter Trickster yeah. Cleric. That wouldn't be too bad. I mean, you're still a Trickster Cleric, so it's not great, but I don't think you need to go too far into Cleric to, to get the beginning stuff there. If you made a horrible mistake and ended up a trickster cleric, I mean, you could kind of pull yourself out of it with this. Yeah, it's not too great still. Eh, whatever. I can see it being fun. I don't think it's optimized. 
So not fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, moving on. Yeah, I think we should move on to the Cronerger. Cronergy magic. Cronergy? Can we get Matt Mercer pronouncing it? Right? Oh, I really there. wish there was the button. Yeah, there's no button for this one. No. It's him, too. Jeez, why didn't he narrate his entire book? <laughs> He's above <laughs> that now. Matt Mercer, the voice actor? You mean Matt Mercer, the former voice actor? Yeah. He's moved on to game design. It seems like so much negative stuff towards Matt Mercer. I really like him, though. <laughs> he seems like an incredibly nice guy. I was he does. I, I, Very I, genuine. <laughs> well, I say, Will and I have been quiet and had nothing bad things to say. You're, you're the one yeah. who listens to Critical Role and is a fan of it. And you're He's the one great. who keeps saying bad things. So yeah, no, he seems like a good guy. Very good guy. I'm I'm just being dismissive for I guess my own humor. It's like it's like he's such a good guy that saying anything negative against him is funny to me because it's like yeah of course that's not true. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying Will's nice, you know, just like yeah, oh yeah, you know, opposite. Will's Will's gonna go to an orphanage and you know just give him all his money. Everyone's like ha, that sounds funny. It sounds more like he didn't enslave them and uh, wrong campaign actually. That's... <laughs> hey, I only did that <laughs> once. <laughs> It started off nice. I gave all my money to the orphans. And then didn't go so great. <laughs> Alright, so for the Wizards of Glasses, there's uh, two, the Chronergy Magic and the Graviturgy. The Chronergy is the focus on shaping reality and time, or the Graviturgy. Spoiler alert, it's more for shaping gravity. Uh, so it's very first thing is the chronal shift at second level. So for this, you can magically exert limited control over the flow of time around a creature. As a reaction after you or a creature you can see within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can force the creature to re-roll. You make this decision after you see where the roll succeeds or fails, the target must use the result of the second roll. You can use this ability twice, regain any expended uses after a long rest. So this ability is nice. Uh, it, I mean, gives basically a advantage to some extent. I mean, it makes you take the reroll, so there's no like take the higher type deal there, um, and you also get to do it after you see whether the roll succeeds or fails. So I see a ton of use here. It's like a divination wizard, but mm -hmm. very different. I mean. <laughs> Just because you're still replacing a role or just, I guess, retrying the role to some extent. Uh, but this, it feels more like a, a bard's bardic inspiration or cutting words almost. It's a mix of yeah, the two. I, I'd almost, I think in almost all situations, prefer Portent from the Divination Wizard. That's where after a long rest, you roll two d20s, you set them aside. And then throughout the day, you could replace a role with one of those. Yeah, no, I, I would agree Because there. then you you know what it is. This is a big gamble. True. So it's a little bit weaker, but you do get an additional second level ability. Where Divination Wizards, I believe, only get portent. You get to add Intelligence Modifier to your initiative rolls. I don't think that's like crazy game-changing, but it is at least something to balance that out. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the Intelligence to your... and Anything that boosts your initiative is always nice. Right. So, and does Portent take your reaction even? 
Or is it just... I was pulling it up now. Let's see here. When you finish a long rest, 2d20s, set them aside. You can replace any attack roll, saving throw, or ability check made by you or a creature that you can see with one of these foretelling rolls. You must choose to do this before the roll, and you can replace a roll in this way only once per turn. Can only be used once. Nope. Doesn't no doesn't take anything. Okay, so there's some balance here, I think. Because portent, you have to do it before the roll is made. Now, you know right. what the end result's going to be, so to some extent that's better. But I would rather have chronal shift than two tens on my portent rolls. Like, two average rolls on portent usually doesn't, I guess, help that much. A ton. Well, that's I the mean, worst case scenario. I Yeah, but it's, it yeah. does happen you're more likely to get middle of the road than you are the extreme ends. You're not going to always get no, that not. one or that 20. <laughs> I mean, you're really not. You have no, the exact right. same chance. <laughs> Look, guys, the dice I'm doesn't know what it's doing. to play it's Dungeons and Statistics. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Because I mean, in, yeah, so you're right. Sometimes you'll get two tens, and it's like, oh, this is kind of worthless. Other, but then with Chrono Shift, there's going to be plenty of times you have a roll and you get the same thing or even worse. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like the uh, you have an enemy reroll because it hits you and you think you're too low to take this hit and roll an 18 and it rerolls a 20. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. You're right. <laughs> That's a Chrono Shift, all right. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I don't know. I'm kind of a boring dude and like sure things. I usually avoid like the the long shot type stuff. Right. And so that's why I think I like Portent better. Cause like, I know what it is. I can make it the choice. Some people like to gamble. They like that, uh, that kind of risk and the role. And this could be more fun. I'd say that. Yeah. But we hate fun. Yeah. <laughs> we do, man. Not Especially when fun. it's impractical fun. Yeah. Okay. Self-crit would suck. Yeah, like, suddenly like you said that, like, okay, I might be kind of on board. Um, the only time where it would feel really worthwhile to use is if your team, you know, team, your party member uh, fails to hit, and then it's like, okay, we've got nothing to lose. Or if they roll a 20, then you get to re-roll it and take away their crit. Well, that's nice. Right. But you can do that yeah. with Porton as well. Yeah, I would say with Chrono Shift, I, it would probably be best use for a saving throw. You oh, fail actually, the saving throw, that like you know you really need a pass. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, re-roll it, give them another shot. Yeah. So, I mean, once you again, know, it, like, I think it's less say, good like, than Divination. <laughs> yeah. And like with Port and again with the attack roll, since like you could have a 20 banked, you can guarantee a crit on somebody, like set up the Paladin, the Smite, and whatever. Uh, but yeah, Temporal Awareness, though, does kind of make second level a little more... A little nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess if you're like going two levels into wizard, a two level dip, getting chronal shift and temporal awareness, I think it's really nice. This would be really good for one of those like dumb class builds that's just about getting a high initiative. Yeah, yeah. You go like a new one. bard two, so that you get jack of all trades. You go two into this, so that you get your intelligence modifier on top of it. Which I think right. there might be another wizard subclass that actually gets you that. Isn't War Magic or something? I think Blade Singer. Blade Singer. I always mix those two up. I don't know. Um, I like the flavor just with the two level dip, like Arcane Trickster and the uh, Chrono Chronergy Magic Wizard. Why is that? 
Um, because you, well, your intelligence is already going to be decent for an arcane trickster, and then rogues having a higher initiative is usually always nice because they need to set themselves up and plan and all that. And then that um, the chrono shift feels just kind of roguey. It's sort of like another version of luck, just like you sort of have a lucky bounce. And okay, I like that. That makes sense. Uh, it is war magic that gets the it's the exact same thing. You add your intelligence modifier to your initiative rolls. Tactical wit. Yep. Yep. Only that one. But, that subclass is terrible. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, just I guess, yeah, I could definitely see that with an arcane trickster. That would be good. This is actually wizards are the, one of the classes that do often have the boy. I sure hope I go first thing going on. Just because like such oh, important sure. spells. Mm-hmm. And every time the DM's like, oh, there's a bunch of creatures gro- grouped up. You have like one turn before they're like, oh, the wizard's going to do an AOE. And then they just spread them across. Right. Yeah. So if the yeah. wizard gets to go first, they get that nice fireball off before they can spread out. Sixth level ability, momentary stasis. Um, as an action, you can magically force a larger, smaller creature within 60 feet to make a con save against your spell save. Um, unless it's a success, the creature is encased in a field of magic energy until the end of your next turn, or until the creature takes any damage. While encased, uh, they're incapacitated and has a speed of zero. You could use this number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. You regain them all on a long rest. Cool. So it's just kind of a way to stun. Yeah. It's stun like without for a burning round. a spell slot. Yeah, without burning a spell slot. The fact that it takes an action, I mean, it... it removes the chance of any like super super cool combos kind of at least with yourself i don't know um but it it definitely adds and opens a lot of doors for stunning somebody and having your your melee combatants run up and you know get some good hits since they're incapacitated does that have any weird effects it just can't take actions Mm -hmm. or reactions yeah so they're not gonna no no benefits on hitting it you know, and it is just incapacitated for a round. Mm-hmm. This actually starting to seem really situational. But, I mean, I will say, look at every other 6-level ability for a wizard. They're basically all crap. They're mostly flavor more than anything. Um, I mean, blade singers get extra attack. Okay, well, they're an exception. That, I, that's like, what I have to stone. Or at least to the extent that they're not like they're not game changing by any means. I don't think they're like the greatest things. Really, most of the wizard subclass stuff is like it's good, but spellcasting is always going to be better. Yeah, I know. Like six level abjuration, that's the one where they could use the war to protect other people and not just themselves. Yeah, that one. That's pretty big. It really uh, six actually... level the benign. I would actually argue that the the six level abjuration one didn't really feel that great because the squishiest person was always the abjuration wizard and they were the person who needed that more than anyone else and after the ward was taken from its max i mean you might have been negating three or four damage it wasn't like anything crazy true uh you you are still uh, now they still have to make a save i don't know enchantment wizard is kind of the same thing where you basically like charm somebody at six level for a little bit. But enchantment's just not that great in general. Uh, evocation is always going to be good because it's just damage on damage where they 
even if they succeed on your, your cantrip saving throw, they take half damage and take no additional effects. Um, that's obviously really nice, but I think they're more of an exception than anything. So it's good. It's not bad. It's just not crazy. I'm just trying to think of what situation would you use this in over another action. I mean, if you um, have spell slots. If you just need to shut somebody down for a turn. There are spells to do that. If you don't want to prepare them. Then you're making a tactical error. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, See, it's I mean, competing with your own wizard stuff. So. Right. Like, hold person is going to be better in every scenario ever. By just the unbelievable margins. But it is a third level spell, which you only get a couple of. And this is basically free. I feel like if it was a bonus action, I could see using this all the time. But a right. full action is like, ugh. So it has to then make a save that it might succeed on, and there's a very good chance it does. Yeah, and a lot of just, monsters have high constitution. Yeah, and then it's just kind of put to the side for a turn. I still think I there are times when, like, you, you just, you need a breather, where it's like, oh my god, this one monster is just, like, absolutely destroying us. Can we just hold that thing for, you know, a round so that somebody else can come in and do whatever they need to do. Maybe it lets your the rest of your party set up for something more important, and it's not using a spell slot. So there is some benefit to that. It but just seems really specific. I agree. Because a lot of those times that it's better just to use a spell to blast it down. Do damage. Even just a cantrip. Like, yeah. At six levels, your cantrips are now leveled up. So, you know, a firebolt is doing 2d10. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, not crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thrilled with that one. All right, well, what's next? All right. Arcane, someone else pronounced that for me. Abeyance. <laughs> abeyance is Ar- what I'm seeing Arcane too. Arcane Abeyance, yeah. 10th level. Uh, when you cast a spell using a spell slot of 4th or lower, you can dance the spell's magic into a moat. Um, it's frozen in time, and it's held in a great bead. The bead is tiny, AC 15, 1 hit points. Um, when it ends, the bead is destroyed. Uh, a creature holding the bead can use its action to release the spell within, whereupon the beast the bead disappears. The spell uses your spell attack bonus and spell DC and save DC, and the spell treats the creature who released it as the caster for all other purposes. Um, You can do this once per short or long rest. It's basically spell storied. Yeah, of a fourth level slot or lower. Yeah. I'm not thrilled with this one. Like, I think um, the... Not Alchemist. Just the Artificer? Artificer, yeah. Blows this out of the water. And I think they get that 11th instead of 10th. They do, but that... So that one is two times your your intelligence modifier. You can cast a second level or first level spell from that thing. So that's definitely better in the quantity. You know, you, as we've talked about how broken 10 Cure Wounds are. Um, right. But I will say that Letting somebody else hold concentration on a fourth level spell is pretty nice. Because I could see that. Be, that's probably the only play I can really think about, though. It's like, in this battle, I want two concentration spells of mine up. Right. And that is a ridiculously situational thing that depends on party composition, who you're fighting. You've got an hour 
after you set this up. Right. So it's see, it's like it. I can see it coming up a lot in certain like uh, scenarios where you've got a party that does that, but other times, like never. It would take right. a lot so, of setup, but I think you could use it in combat. Like it takes yeah, like you your said, action to cast it. You throw it over to somebody for free, and then they use their action to cast the spell. I think yeah. the setup is better, obviously, but if it needs to be done in combat, it's possible. Right, and then like if they're another spellcaster, it's still taking up the concentration slot. So it's like it needs to be a situation where that concentration spell that that caster doesn't have is better than something from their own list. Or I mean, you give it to someone who's not a spellcaster, but then they're probably going to be up in the fray and risk losing concentration quickly, anyways. Like if you toss it to the fighter to concentrate on it, what if you toss it to the ranged fighter? Ranged fighter, ranger. I mean, yeah. the monk who is hard to hit. I, I feel yeah. like there are ways to do it. I mean, you can you can give it to a monk whose then sole purpose is to just use the dodge action every single turn, so that way they just barely ever get hit. You could yeah. also. This is also one of those things you could give to anybody, like at all, if you have a situation where you've got. Uh, what are they NPCs. called? Yeah, NPCs, companions, or whatever. Yeah, companions of any sort, yep. And at that point, it actually does start looking a little overpowered, but that's an entire other bag of excess NPCs. I don't know. I also am not feeling this one either. I don't think it's amazing. I don't, I don't want to say it's bad, though. I, I would agree that the Artificer's ability to cast a ton of second-level spells over and over and over again, or let somebody else cast them even, is probably better. Right, but, and it doesn't take a spell slot doing and, that. Right. I, I still think, though, there's there's definitely some use for this. I mean, just trying to think off the top of my head, like, what fourth-level spells would go really well together? But I'm not that smart. I've never played a wizard because they're big-brained and I'm not. They've got like hundreds of spells. That's They've insane. got like a billion spells. How is anybody supposed to know those? Um, but I feel like there's, you know, <laughs> definitely some times where you'd want this. I mean, even, okay, holding banishment on two different creatures. That'd be cool. Greater invisibility. Sure. Are these going together? No. Would I really love to have two of these at once? Yes. Polymorph. That's fourth level. There's some really good stuff in Fortnite. Summon Greater Demon. I mean, these are just these are really, really good spells that yeah. I wouldn't mind having two of at once. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two concentration spells up. It's just a matter of, as you said, it's it's tricky. It depends on your party composition. If you're going into this, and this is a party filled with people who are also full casters, it's a complete waste. I think we can all agree on that. But if you have even one person that, you know, it just, they now have to focus two people who have a greater demon up instead of just one. I, I mean, that's kind of a challenge for the enemy. <laughs> Haste. Haste. Haste is third, third level. level, but yeah, yep, definitely. Hold person, second, hypnotic pattern. Two of them. I don't, that... third. I didn't think Wizards got hypnotic pattern, but. Wizards get everything, man. Everything but bard, druid but yeah. spells. And I think this is, uh, I guess, one of those class features that's dangerous in the hands of a creative player. 
where like if you were already playing this, you had it and you just spent a lot of time thinking like, or just, just that, that type of person who's just like, oh, how do I ruin this entire encounter by the correct two spells together? Like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. The double concentration, I think, is what really saves that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you could make uh, invisible giant apes. Yeah, Whatever. you really could. Invisible giant <laughs> apes, do it. Why not? Oh, my God, that sounds really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Greaterly invisible giant apes. Yeah, that'd be really annoying. <laughs> Those things already have like 180 HP, and that was like disadvantage to hit them. Yeah. God, that'd be annoying. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I take back what I said. This has potential. There we go. <sighs> but just, do I like yeah. the potential? Hmm. It does take setup too, and I think that that can't be ignored. You know, it's it's yeah. You're gonna but, but essentially being being able to break concentration rules is huge. Mm-hmm. That extra setup I think is required. Otherwise, it would just be insane. Yeah, I've seen a lot of magic items thrown around that are like basically you ignore concentration rules. Like it, it's I swear to God, every time I see one of those posts on D and D, that's like, oh yeah, our DM gave us a bunch of magic items, and now the game's kind of broken. One of them is inevitably going to be, yeah, I can concentrate on two spells at once. Like, yep, you broke your game. Enjoy. <laughs> no limit to it? Yep. Have fun. Jeez. Uh, Alright, so this next one is Convergent Future. 14th level, and their last subclass thing. Uh, you can peer through possible futures and magically pull one of them into events around you, ensuring a particular outcome. When you or a creature you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you use your reaction to ignore the die roll and decide whether the number rolled is the minimum needed to succeed or one less than the number. When you use this feature, you gain one level of exhaustion. Only by finishing a long rest can you remove this level of exhaustion. I hate this. Why do you hate this, Jared? (laughs) I hate this because... Exhaustion doesn't even do anything. 14th level, you can choose one roll to succeed or fail. That's it. And you get exhaustion from that. You're getting punished at 14th level for your kind of cool ability. Uh, but you can use it, like, unlimited times. Do you... Is this after the dice is rolled? Yes. Can you hear you my Or the die roll. Yeah, I can hear Lincoln <laughs> super easily. Oh, really? Yeah. Now he's all the way upstairs. Door's closed. Well, Lincoln has made it to the podcast. So many. How many years has it been? Finally gets his opportunity to shine. (laughs) Are you recording without me? Are you recording without me? (laughs) Okay, so you asked the question of does this ignore the die roll? And the answer, or sorry, does this happen before or after the die roll? And it would be after. So you see the die roll and then you ignore it entirely and say, I want this to succeed or I want this to fail. See, I like this, actually. Like, I'm okay with the exhaustion, because that's that's huge. Like, if you... It's on anybody, right? Yeah, any creature. Yep. They don't need to make a save, so you can do it on an enemy. You have, like, one of those save or suck spells that you absolutely know you need to get off, and they pass your save. Nope, you don't pass it. Or vice versa, if it's happening to you. Like, I, I wouldn't... I don't think this is worth it on attack rolls, unless, like, someone's on the verge of death, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but saving throws and even certain ability checks. Like, there are some 
ability checks that can be like catastrophic if you fail them <laughs> especially if the dm's feeling particularly mean or you put yourself in a really dumb situation this can, it's basically get out of free get out of jail free card you know what this and all you done? have to pay is a level of exhaustion this would have saved saucy it would have i Does don't it? know who yeah. would have been casting it but actually you were in you were in his the beholder's gaze this is magically you do it, so I would assume this gets canceled. Actually, no, he he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. Okay, the well, beholder's okay. gaze cancels out their own iris. But... Yeah, this is yeah. It's not really important, but no, um, it would, no, it's incredibly I important. I think that's story. actually a good thing to bring up, and you're right, Kevin, because this is used when everything's on the table and you just absolutely cannot fail. That disintegration ray gets sent out, and you're like, no, I I can't get hit by this. If I get hit by this, I am going to die forever. It's like, all right, right, I'll take a level of exhaustion to negate that. Sure. Right. I'll do it twice. I can't my attack rolls suck now? Fine. Who cares? I'm a wizard. This is one of those situations where I could see them going all the way to five. Where your speed is reduced to zero. Yeah. Which is catastrophic, but yeah. if the alternative is dying forever. Right. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, I can yeah. see it too. I mean, level one is just it's disadvantage on ability checks. Right. Then your speed is halved. Yeah, then oh, your speed three, is halved. Three's disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Which yeah. still might not matter that For much. For a wizard, yeah. If you're forcing then, saving throws. Yeah. Then it starts to get really scary. Hit point maximum halved and speed reduced to zero at fifth. So what Will's saying, though, in the in the instances of this, you know, you need to go absolutely all out. Your hit point max, or your hit points are probably under half already. So I could see it being like, eh, do I really care right now? Am I going to get back over that for any reason? Maybe if you have a life cleric, sure, great, whatever. But, you know, if your max HP is 80, you're already at 40 HP, and you're probably not going to get that higher. I could see you going past it. Speed reduced to zero? Right. That's a tough one. So, and one one negative comparison is the barbarian that does the same mechanic where you gain exhaustion this is a perfect example of something where these catastrophic effects you can just keep stacking them in desperation whereas they couldn't you know that's to get their rage to that level right you're not going to get to that fifth level by that point your party has to drag you to the next battle where you use it <laughs> so this is yeah they can just burn through these right right okay all right and again, it's you're going to save it for the very important roles. I mean, okay. I, I you could actually even kill yourself with this, and I could almost justify it as a that choice. That would be pretty in cool. A very desperate situation. Well, right. if it was a matter of, you know what though, if you get to six levels of exhaustion by this and you die, even if you're revived, you're dead again. It doesn't remove exhaustion. No, there's no. That's that's one hundred percent. You keep the exhaustion levels. Those wouldn't go away, so you come back from the grave, somebody uses Revivify on you, and it brings you back with one HP. Still have six levels of exhaustion, dead. So if you die of exhaustion, yeah. you literally cannot be resurrected. Correct. That is not true. It does in this. In this, it does. Everything else, you can, like, remove levels of exhaustion by some way. This, you have to finish a long rest to is remove that, that exhaustion. Is that the intent of that, is you cannot kill yourself without dying forever? I don't know. I don't think it is. I think the intent is so people don't spam greater restoration at it. Now I'm trying to think of what happens yeah. if you do get 
brought back from the grave with six levels of exhaustion. You no, know, it's supposed to reset or something, or you at least gain one back, because that's just like silly. It's like, so oh, I died, but I'm still so tired. It's like, no, you're so <laughs> fucking dead. You aren't. You no longer have a metabolism. Because let's see, I mean, can you cast greater restoration on somebody who's dead? It says a creature yeah, it doesn't say a creature to. who's alive. Um, well, in exhaustion, also being raised from the dead reduces a creature's exhaustion level by one. Oh, that's in the general exhaustion rules. Yes, raised I mean the rule, that. like the rule of specifics, saying that this convergent future would trump that. I don't know if that's intentional. Yeah, but like no, that makes raw, sense. yeah. I think you're right, Kevin, because being yeah, because it says being raised from the dead reduces a creature's exhaustion level by one. But in the specifics, it says. Only by finishing a long rest can you remove a level of exhaustion gained in this way. The only way is with a long rest. Not being raised from the dead, not from a greater restoration. That's that. Yep. <laughs> I was waiting for Will to respond. Will, I say, Will looks mad. <laughs> I, no, that's just my face. First of all, that's just my face. <laughs> What's the spell? Is it resurrection? Is that the one that gives you a fucked up body? Um, a fucked up body is the druid one. That's, reincarnation. Um, yeah, reincarnation. reincarnation. I can see that working. Yeah, there's no reason that shouldn't work, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the only thing with Convergent Future is I feel like it kind of steps on the toes of Chronal Shift, or their second level ability. It was like you would almost use it in the same situations. Are they both reactions? Use your reaction. Yeah, as, yeah. Yep. yeah, I mean... It's I just Chrono Shift doesn't give you exhaustion, and it, but also, it's, it's riskier. When you're at this point, you're probably out of your Chrono Shifts. And more importantly, this is like this know. is for important stuff. I mean, you're right. talking about, like, you cannot fail this saving throw. You're not going to be like, well, I'll just use my Chrono Shift. I've still got it. It's like, no, no, that might roll worse, and then you're just effed. Right. So it's, it's a higher stakes chronal shift. I still think, uh, yeah. Will, you, you kind of said this, but then have now backed off knowing how exhaustion works, or I guess how this specific one works. Um, I still think this would be the absolute coolest way to save a party member, though. You're at that, like, five levels of exhaustion, and somebody's going to, you know, fail a very important saving throw that will kill them, and you sacrifice yourself. It just sets up for something cool. Obviously, you'd never do that. You're heartless, but I can see I've that made being a... the greatest of sacrifices. <laughs> I can see that being Be very character. cool. Um, you know, just you're you're absolutely at your last limits, and you sacrifice yourself for somebody else. Yeah, and it's it's a it's powerful enough to actually do that and work. Yeah, <laughs> you're not gonna be like I sacrifice myself, and it's like ooh, you both die anyway. Sorry. And it's actually pretty reasonable that they could probably reincarnate you if they really wanted to at this level. Probably. They just gotta drag around your meat sack for a while. <laughs> bag of holding, man. <laughs> he doesn't need oxygen. Into the bag. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so overall thoughts on this subclass. I like the flavor of it. The idea behind it's a wizard that focuses on time manipulation and stuff like that. Um, the actual abilities don't feel too in line with that, in my opinion. But at the same time, time manipulation just kind of inherently could get insanely powerful. Mm -hmm. 
So like it's almost like set up for failure. Like I feel like to satisfy that flavor, that it's like abilities would just need to be insane. Right. Right. It's just something that doesn't work in D and D. Yeah, so for it doesn't work in like any form of fiction. It's kind of a long-term problem people have been having. So yeah, I mean, I think it's. I agree. It's got good flavor. I I have kind of changed my mind just because of the high-level abilities. I feel like are pretty game-changing, whereas a lot Mm -hmm. of wizards. um, I don't know. I feel like you know, you once you get to that 14th level, it's still nothing that's like really that crazy. Uh, Like even you know. Abjuration, just the first one I've got up. You get advantage on saving throws against spells. You also have resistance against the damage of spells. That's really good, but also how many times do spells get cast on you? Meh. Whereas I see this 14th level ability, and as you've now convinced me, it's like, it's really good. And that's going to be a do-or-die thing that you're going to be very happy you have that. So I'll say it's higher level stuff I'm pretty impressed by. It's lower level stuff. Not so much, especially that six level ability where you can just stop somebody for a turn, maybe. Right. Yeah, it's a mixed bag. All right, moving on. Yep. Graviturgy magic. This is the one where it focuses on gravity. I mean, really, that's all there is to it. It's you manipulate yeah. gravity. <laughs> so, second level ability, adjust density. It's the only thing to get a level two. Um, as an action, you can alter the weight of one object or creature within 30 feet. Um, it must be large or smaller. The target's weight is halved or doubled up to one minute or until your concentration ends. Well, the weight of a creature is halved, um, and its speed increases by 10 feet. It can jump twice as far as normal and has disadvantage on strength checks and saving throws. If it's doubled, the creature's speed is reduced by 10 feet and has advantage on strength, strength checks and saving throws. That's it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this one. Wait, no, I think that's pretty terrible. Twice as far as normal. Uh huh. This is so much potential for our favorite thing, which is maximizing your jumping distance. (laughs) How many turns could you jump with the jump spell? This maybe on a champion, you could jump for like seventeen turns. (laughs) Yeah. So I I don't see much reason to increase your speed by ten at the cost of. Uh, strength checks and saving throws at disadvantage and jumping twice as far. And your wizard's concentration. And your wizard's concentration. Uh, I could maybe see a reason to increase the size, give advantage on strength checks and saving throws. That's kind of like the enlarge spell, but you don't get the additional d4. Right. I feel like once I get the enlarge reduce spell, I never want to see this again. (laughs) Yeah, it. I feel like maybe we're missing some really creative, clever use of this, but I, I'm not coming up with anything. Grapple build? Eh? No? But the, <laughs> you have to go wizard, and I mean... Yeah, okay, no, so I mean, large... like, you're a grapple build buddy. Uh, yes, but enlarge does also give advantage on strength checks and saving throws. It's a second level spell, enlarge, and that gives you also an extra d4 damage. And it doesn't reduce your speed by 10. Yeah. Also, Long Stride is a first level spell that increases your target speed by 10 feet. And it's not concentration. And it lasts an hour. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to gimp yourself, too, on top. I mean, that's... I eh, I actually think this is yeah. bad. 
It's not just. I'm porn. glad they didn't add a limit to this. Yeah, <laughs> up to your intelligence modifier, <laughs> or even just like, oh, once per short or long rest. But it's concentration. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, it is concentration, but like it would be insult to injury if it was only like max five times a day. I think removing the concentration right. makes this okay. Because then it's costing an action still. It's really not giving that much. It's really not. And even when you give something, no. it's still taking something away. You give 10 feet of speed and twice the jump distance, great. Now you suck at strength checks and strength saving throws. Right. I, honestly, I can't really see using this. Even if it was free, it's just like... You know it when feels this like a useful. ribbon ability. This is good outside of combat. And that is it. If you need to open a door, I'm going to do this. Because why not? <laughs> like but a really that... just absurd guidance. Mm-hmm. But that is about it. Okay, great. We need to jump over this cavern. This is the one time you get to shine. All right? So take it. Beyond <laughs> that's that... Actually... No, that's actually a great point. It's, it's, it's frustratingly shitty about that, too, because like you have to do it for like each individual. But like Right. It's still like this does have some out of combat utility, I guess. Yeah. If you want to get really finicky with it, if you have various like pressure plate traps that trigger on a certain weight, a gnome or halfling could probably be put under that weight with the spell. Sure. I would allow it. I'd give you something. Yeah. But, you know when it's when it's a shittier <laughs> subclass, the DM's always more willing to. Uh, be like, oh yeah, that works. That works. I mean, I told oh, you not and to take you this can class, but that works. throw them twice as far. <laughs> can you? The I, weight I of the creature imagine. is halved. It at least does say that. Yeah, that's what it says. You know? I don't know. So, okay. I'll, so I'll give it that. So you can throw gnomes like footballs. Can you not God, this do sucks. That? Yeah, I mean, no, like a lighter football. Like gotcha. when you were a kid, if you ever tried to use like a regular size football, right. it was just like the size of a watermelon. You're like, oh god, oh man, it's so like a kid's so football. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So out of combat, okay, pretty good compared to anything else, though. Not very good. Maybe it gets better. Yeah. One well, tenth level. <laughs> well, so at sixth level, it gets gravity well. Uh, if you've learned how to manipulate gravity around a living being, uh, whenever you cast a spell on a creature, you can move the target five feet to an un- unoccupied space of your choice if the target is willing to move. The spell hits it with an attack, or it fails a sa- saving throw against the spell. Okay, so it doesn't get better. So six level, it's not getting better. We'll just say that flat out. You can move somebody five feet if they fail the saving throw on a spell. Or if they want to be moved. Or, I mean, it hits it with an or attack. Or if it's hit with an attack. Is that really great? Yeah. I mean, is that... Nope. Five feet. <laughs> you shifted around five feet. <laughs> I mean, maybe with, like, Scorching Ray, you could move them 15 feet? Or just go Warlock. Or just go Warlock and use your Elder's Blast to, to move. It'd be like the, yeah. the wizard who's like, I finally got gravity well, I can finally do it. And the Warlock's like, oh, you can do this too? Yeah. I mean, I guess this allows you to do it on friendlies. Okay. Yeah, heal or buff, but I, I, it's not going to trigger an opportunity attack. 
That's something. So it's a way to, I mean, so if the initiative order lines up where you're able to do this on a friend, like an ally who's getting beat up on somebody and you bump them five feet away and then they go before the monsters, they can then run away and still have their action of not having to disengage. What the fuck is this? the flavor of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shot a bullet thing out of my magic stick, and now the gravity's, like, bumping people? Um, I is guess there, like, a typo? Before... Is there a gas leak in here? <laughs> Maybe before the, the spell goes off, like, it, it, like, ends up five feet in a direction, and then just sucks the person towards it, and then the spell, you know, hits them. It's stupid. I'm I'm just reaching. I'm grasping at straws here. Maybe there's this some... one doesn't have a limit either. <laughs> I can do this as many times as you got spells. Yeah, or like if an enemy is like right next to a cliff, knock him off the cliff. But really also gotta... like the fighter could just like shove as one of the right, attacks. right. I really got <laughs> throw more cliff combat at you guys. Anyways, that's that's right. what I've been thinking. <laughs> Boy, I sure hope my players can end this fight in one single move. That'd be great. You know, or you bumping someone into an AOE. Sure, but sure. And, but again, it's like there's so many other ways to move people around. Or I'll yeah. say this: you, um, you could, you could. This pull would fuck with the DM. Out. This would fuck with the DM. Like whenever we're setting these things up, where we've got our AOE, the DM's always like five feet out of it. <laughs> They would immediately react by going 10 feet out of it. But for the first couple combats, every spell you cast on enemies, you'd be bumping them back into the AoE, into the DM, be like, damn it. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I like that. But, you know, you gotta, I guess, set it up. <clears throat> it's It doesn't work yeah. well by itself. How about that? It might work well with somebody else doing something cool, like maybe, I don't know, some wizard that can have you concentrate on something better. Um... That's it. There you go. You're concentrating on something better from your uh, Chronergy wizard. Uh, they've got a firewall up, and then you just push them into the firewall. Yeah, because you can't do that, because you will be obviously adjusting someone's density at that time. <laughs> concentrating on sacrifice. way too important stuff. But yeah, that's going to be your concentration all the time, um, if I had to take a guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, there there is that. You're right. I think paired with somebody who is a good AOE caster, druids are always a good example of that. Um, I think really, there's just a lot. Of, yeah, right. clerics, sure. You know, just being able to kind of push them around a bit could be interesting. Does it work on cantrips? Yeah, it's the spell. It's spell. It doesn't say a level spell. So, nope. okay. I mean, that's cool. I think that. Scorching Ray is going to be probably your best bet because you can at least move them multiple times in one hit. Are there other spells like that that do multiple Eldritch Blast. I understand. Okay, there you go. One level dip into Warlock and then you don't have to take that invocation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, that's stupid. <laughs> Six levels into this wizard, one level into Warlock. Makes maybe, sense. Maybe. My All patron right. is Carl Sagan. Now, okay, I think we are going to keep this in mind when we get to the spells, because I will say there's a lot of very cool gravity spells that might, might pair well with this. I am not making a guarantee, 
because I don't remember them all, but right. maybe. All right. Um, next, level 10, Violent Attraction. Uh, when another creature that you can see within 60 feet of you hits with a weapon attack, um, for using your reaction, you can increase the attack's velocity, targeting you an extra 1d10 damage of the weapon's type. Uh, alternatively, if a creature is within 60 feet of you, you can use a reaction to increase the fall. Oh, if a creature falls within 60 feet of you, you could decrease... I'm sorry, increase. increase the falls damage by 2d10. If it was increased Number or decreased, then it would be useful. Yeah. You can use this feature another time equal to your aim modifier. You get it back on a long rest. So, once again, I think that will pair well with some of these gravity spells, because there's a lot of stuff that's about, like, pulling people up into the air and such. Um... So that extra 2d10 damage will be nice. Min or limited by your intelligence modifier up to a long rest. We're not talking about crazy damage here. Let's call it 10d10 if you're doing 10d10 if you're doing stuff. it perfectly. Okay, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. But that will also take you, you know, 10 rounds to do. What is it? Two stars. Two stars? <laughs> Are you rating it? Two star. Yeah, we do that, right? <clears throat> this is a two star uh, subclass ability. Oh, I'm just looking at what we've got on the spells. Spell docket. Right. Yeah, again, it's just it's another really situational one. I feel like this entire subclass has just been really situational. Yeah, I think it is. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, the the flavor is there. I guess. I mean, that's cool. Just manipulating gravity. Nice. I like it. But it just There's always work. gravity, right? There's, you should be uh, able to is there? have power. Yeah, is there always, always gravity? On. Nobody really knows how it works, but... Um, Alright, so I, I don't think I've got much more for that one. Event Horizon. No. So they're yeah, God, I love that movie. Yep, so this one's an action. Uh, you a magically emit a powerful field of gravitational energy that tugs at other creatures for up to one minute or until your concentration ends. For the duration, uh, whenever a hostile creature starts to turn 30 feet of you, strength saving throw on a failed save, it takes 2d10 force damage, and its speed is reduced to zero until the start of its next turn. On its success, it takes half as much damage, and then uh, basically it's difficult terrain. You could use this... Uh, once per long rest, or if you use a third spell slot or higher, you can use it again. That's pretty dope. Is it? Yes. 2d10? I can say, well... So, I 30 guess... 30 feet? Where starts its turn within 30 feet. Yeah, it's hostile only. Okay. Hostile only. So, I could say... And it will essentially get stuck in there. Right. And, and you use that 6th level ability... You keep hitting people with spells and just keep pulling them back into it if they do succeed. It's a nice AoE spell. Assuming they're within five feet of it, but yeah. Yeah, considering you can just kind of like run up to them. Well, I think it would just, I'm just saying it would keep them in there longer, especially because it makes all movement cost twice as much, which I guess it just doesn't say difficult terrain, which is weird. But it is basically difficult terrain. I. Guess maybe it probably does that because abilities that allow you to ignore difficult terrain aren't helpful here. Okay, that's fair. Also, that's probably if you, why. Yeah, and if you if you succeed your saving throw, okay, when you succeed, you get the two extra feet of movement. Um, or I'm sorry, it each costs, foot costs yeah. the extra movement. 
Now it is. Oh, two on... extra feet. Never mind. It's not double. It's even worse. Oh. It's two extra feet. So every foot costs three feet. Oh shit. So it's worse than difficult terrain, and still the abilities don't help you save it. So okay, that's pretty devastating. That's slow. Yeah. Essentially, most most character speed becomes ten feet. Yeah. So I mean that's, that's on success. And it's thirty yes. feet. Out. Okay. And that's on success. So and it's it's only putting it on par with a third level spell because it says you can use it for free once on a long rest or until you expend a slot of third level or higher on it. Now, I think I'd rather this just be a spell <laughs> and you know let you upcast it for yeah. maybe more damage or a bigger sphere. But this definitely is a battlefield control move. That's for sure. Uh, if you right. get up right in the middle, I think my only downside to it is things are going to attack you. you I can... was going to say, the play is to then just attack the wizard who's down right. in the middle of everything. <laughs> right. Because now, this is concentration. But that does come off as, that does come out to a, a trade-off to some extent. Because if they're all, let's say, perfect scenario, like right at the center of this, they're 15 feet out, they either need to run towards you and attack, if they're melee, uh, or they need to run out of it as quick as possible to stop taking damage. And they're going to take a lot of damage if they stay in it. Right. I don't know. I, I'm like so on the fence with this one. It feels kind of good, but I think I'd need to like really just have it in practice to see how it works for sure i don't know i think this is pretty friggin insane damage wise or control wise like what like all of it is just like there's a lot of shit going on with this yeah i think the reducing there are to zero. no real limits either yeah we're not like oh it has to be medium or smaller right it's not right I think the reducing so like, the speed to absolute zero is is pretty darn nice if they fail. And you're going to have a pretty high spell save at, at 14th level. It's a strength saving throw, too, which not everything has a really good strength saving throw. Right. It's not like Constitution, like we talked about, where it's like, yeah, most monsters are going to have a pretty high con strength. It just depends. This doesn't I make up for the rest of the class. I'll say uh, that. No. But I think <laughs> I mean, considering you have to go 14 deep into this class just to get it, yeah. I do think it'd be pretty hilarious, though, like, casting this and somebody who's, like, on that, that like, five-foot border, and they're like, hey, I'm safe! And the next turn, you're like, yoink! Yeah, I think you already said it. I'd almost rather be a spell. Yeah, I... I picked. Yeah, and I think there are going to be some spells that are like kind of similar that yeah. take care of a lot of this. That by 14th level, I mean, wizards are getting uh, what level spells at that point? 7th? I'm going to look really quick because I can't remember. 14th like is, that. yeah, they get their first 7th level spell. And this is on par with, as it's saying, a 3rd level. Right. But they get to do it for free once. Once, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a cool third-level spell. There we go. It's a really cool third-level spell. I would actually argue that it might be a little too good for a third-level spell if it was outside of a 14th-level subclass. 
That's true. Casting this at level five would be kind of nuts. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Overall, so overall, Graviturgy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this one. The other two I liked. Yeah, I gotta say this is this is the weakest of the three. I'm curious because they do. I mean, like we said, they get exclusive class uh, spells. So I think it's important to take those into account. Do they? Well, that's how it works, right? No. The Dunamancy spells are uh, Dunamancy. They, like, they, they, just they can get be used them. for. Yeah, these spells are available to wizard subclasses. Gotcha. Oh, previously mentioned in this chapter, as well as other spell casting, spell casting classes with the dungeons and Dungeon Master's consent. Yeah, so basically it's setting dependent. If it wants, yeah. to, if you want it to be some like ancient magic, it's not like a thing that the wizard can just learn. You might have to, you know, go some to some person and, and get the spells. Yeah, but yeah, those are the subclasses. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm really trying to justify this graviturgy. I can't. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about the spells. So moving on to the new uh, Dunamancy spells, um, a lot of them are pretty similar in terms of the manipulate gravity, suck people in, do damage. They're just kind of in different shapes and stuff. Um, but then there's some also, which I think all of them are cool though. Yeah, and I then think there's some above all the the flavor of them is definitely there. Right. Yeah, like Dark Star. I mean, so it's an eighth level spell, so it's really high. Um, it creates a sphere that's basically it's um. Yeah, it's difficult terrain, it's magical darkness, it's completely deafened, so it's like a combination of silence and darkness. And any creature in the spell's area, for the first time, starts to turn their con saving throw, and it takes 8 to 10 force damage on a fail save, has as much on a success. If it's reduced to zero hit points, it's just completely annihilated and gone. I think that's a cool spell. I just sort of oh, yeah. wish, like, for 8th level, that it would suck people in from the outskirts of it. Yeah, and you know it's because that's what it sounds like. The flavor should be that is the flavor because there's a picture right beneath it where there's a dark yeah. star, and that's just taking up a tiny little portion. But it's more saying that it affects everything with a radius of forty feet out. But it okay. also creates darkness. I mean, that's it's kind of weird. Yeah, and it's all difficult terrain. So it sounds like it should be just dark for forty feet, but there's also the picture of the opposite of that. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to draw a black hole, so. <laughs> okay, In their fair defense. point. This is the middle of it being casted. Is it starting to expand? Uh, that's just, you know, that's actually pretty dope. Yeah. Um, no, I think we had a way to push things five feet when we cast spells on them. Yeah, if you could then push things into this, there you go. Now it's a now it's a great spell. <laughs> Glad uh, I got up to sixteenth level for this. <laughs> uh, what else um, Yeah, we're, we're not going to go through every one of these in detail because there's a lot but like Fortune's Favor I like that's only second level one mm-hmm. um, basically it's like from reading right it's kind of a way to give you advantage yeah it's a lot like Guidance in those same the, the, like the, the preparation spells where you're like okay I know you're about to do something or do something soon here's a little boost to it you get advantage yeah yeah so that one's nice because it's an hour and it's not concentration and but. so you put it on somebody, and then when the chosen creature makes an attack roll, an ability check, or saving throw before the spell ends, it could dismiss the spell on itself to roll an additional d20 and choose which to use. Now, the one thing that kind of sucks is it uses a white pearl worth at least 100 GP. 
Oh. Yeah, so it I didn't costs notice that. 100 gold 100. to use this spell, which I yeah. don't know if that's particularly useful. I mean, not useful. I don't know if that's the right word. I, I don't. I feel like that's just a high cost. Uh, yeah, for second level spell, yeah. Now, I think what's most important about this spell, though, <laughs> is at the end it says, if the original d20 roll has advantage or disadvantage, the creature rolls the additional d20 after the advantage or disadvantage has been applied to the original roll. Which, if you're familiar with the lucky feat, uh, just completely destroys what makes the lucky feat annoying. Uh, basically, it doesn't give super advantage from disadvantage, which was always really dumb. Right. So that's, yeah, it's kind of like that line should be added to the end of the lucky feat. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. I would allow it back into my game. I really haven't yeah. banned it because nobody wants to use it, so... I just I hate the flavor right. for lucky, but that's a different different argument for a different time. <laughs> What's the flavor? The guy's lucky. That's not good flavor. It's awful. Uh, like, actually, uh, like hundred gold points. Yeah, this is definitely one of those things that you're like, all right, big boss time. Sure. Just smash up this pearl, and, and it's casting time one minute, so it's like prepping in the you know, right. What you could also argue is room. it does let you upcast it for the same amount of gold. So if you want to cast it on, you know, your entire party, yep. you, you burn that fourth level and say, hey, you guys, we all have advantage on a roll. Use it wisely. But I still only spent 100 gold on it. It's just a higher spell slot, obviously. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, gift of... Alacrity. Alacrity. Alacrity? Sure, yeah. gift of alacrity. Small spell, but I really like it. Uh, first level spell, eight hours, no concentration. Uh, you give a creature 1d8 to its initiative rolls. Great. That's, I don't think, I can't think of any other spell that gives you a bonus to your initiative. I don't think there is. Oh, or if there I, is, I like it because of that. Because like, what? Oh, it's no, a 1d8 yeah. all day bonus. It's just cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. It just, yeah, fills a slight. It's like such an obvious spell that, just, that hasn't existed yet. It's like, oh, it's now filled. I never knew I wanted that, but it's nice. Then you start getting into all the gravity spells. Gravity Fissure, Gravity Sinkhole, uh, Magnified Gravity, Pulse Wave, Ravenous Void. All, all those are pretty similar. They create an effect of like a different shape where it's altering gravity and sucks people in and does damage. and They're stuff all like really that, which... cool flavor-wise. But again, they don't have yeah. different flavor. You're right. Like gravity right. fissure, it creates a straight line of gravity that people get pulled towards and does a crap ton of damage. Right. Gravity sinkhole. Gravity it creates sinkhole. A circle yeah. of <laughs> of damage that people get pulled yeah. into. Yeah. Um, what I like about those as well, in addition to like the facts that it has itself, it's I, again I don't think D and D has a spell like this yet or a good way to do it where if you have a large group of people spread out to gather them up together to then hit them with another AOE. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like that that's such a common thing you see in so many like video game RPGs. Mm -hmm. You know, like a black hole spell or whatever where it sucks all the enemies into one area and then you uh, hit it with a big AOE and it's like always a really satisfying combo to pull off. One of my you favorite that grenade in types in Borderlands. Borderlands 2 is a, a singularity grenade where it pulled stuff in and then exploded in whatever elemental yeah, effect. Yeah, it's like really cool. And if you had a dedicated GPU for the physics effects, uh, it would like pull in rocks and stuff as well. And it crashed everyone else's computer. So 
Nobody optimized. (laughs) (laughs) You literally needed to have a specific graphics card for the physics. Yeah. (laughs) Just to get your decorative rocks. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Say, uh, pulse wave modifies gravity and a cone in front of you and can push or pull people. Um, I said ravenous void fits in that. That's actually not true. That was a mis misspoke there. That's a ninth level spell. It's a concentration up to a minute. Oh, never mind. It does fit that. <laughs> yeah, you create a sphere. This one just also pulls in stuff even further. Right. And restrains. It just it, It's a really hard It's just really one. powerful. Yeah. yeah, it was ninth level. Uh, I like reality break. That's an eighth level concentration. So this is just a single target. If they fail it, then I think it's yeah for a minute. They must throw a d10 at the start of each of its turns. And so it's kind of works like how Confusion does, but the effects are just so much worse. Mm-hmm. On a 1 Jeez. to 2, Visions of the Far Realm, the target takes 60 12 psychic damages and, and is stunned until the end of the turn. The and is stunned to... is really what does it. <laughs> right? I mean, 60 12 psychics already a lot. Right, right. Yeah, Rending Rift on a 3 to 5, the target must make a deck save or take 8 d12. Force damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a success. Six damage. to eight. Yep. Six to eight wormhole. The target is teleported along with everything it is wearing and carrying up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space of your choice. The target also takes 10d12 force damage and is knocked prone, because why not? And nine <laughs> to ten, chill the dark void. The target takes 10d12 cold damage and is blinded until the end of the turn. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. amazing. That's awesome. So yeah. I will say that uh, it kind of says like up to DM discretion on who can take these. I don't think it was very specific. This feels like a warlock spell, and I know warlocks absolutely. get only a couple of the high level ones. Um, they get one basically. You choose each right. level after fifth. Right. You get like one sixth, one seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, this would definitely be my pick for an eighth level spell. Hey, that's great. Great old one is perfect for this. Oh this yeah. Is like. Honestly, it's a almost Cthulhu contagion. That's just even worse. It's almost it to me. It's more fitting than any wizard getting this spell. Like vision of the far realm. Why would that be a wizard? I mean, I'm not against it. That's that's fine. But warlock, it's it's there. Yeah, chill of the dark void. It's very warlocky. Right. It reminds me of hunger yeah. of Hadar. Just add some slurping yeah. noises. <laughs> <laughs> Milky slurping. Um, we kind of moved past it, but I will just uh, talk about a movable object. Uh, this is one where you can make an object immovable. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically it. you can make anything into an immovable rod. Right. Um, Second level spell lasts an hour. I, You could have fun with that. You, you could. That's that. It's, it's not a combat thing, but... Right. That's it. I just wanted to talk you about it. You get creative with it, yeah. It's, it's up to like really large objects, too, right? And you can. The thing I also like is that if you if you cast it at higher levels, it can carry up to twenty thousand pounds, and the effect is permanent until dispelled. So I actually really like this for flavor. This is how you make a fortress that's whatever height in the air, and you're just like, yeah, it's just a flying fortress or an immovable fortress up in the air. I don't know how much twenty thousand pounds is though. It's like sixteen horses. 16 horses. Yeah, you could do 16 floating horses forever. Is that well, harmful? I mean, Is that useful? <laughs> no, they probably try and get down. You'd have to stack them on the thing you made them movable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I could. I would use this more as justification more than anything. Of like 25 a, gold to have an immovable rod. There you go. 
and it becomes very difficult to move. Even harder to move than any immovable rod. But it also, you can't, like, turn it off. It's just there now, unless you want to cast it again. Oh, other cool ones. Um, Tether Essence, you could um, tie two people together, and any any damage that affects one is dealt to the other. It's not split, it's not resisted, it's just... Um, a creature could willingly save it or not. They both make con saves at disadvantage. Concentration up to an hour. Uh, I, I can see that one getting interesting. Seventh level ability, so it's higher. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely but seems like, more useful on the doing damage part than the healing. Because it does let you, like, tether people together and, and heal them together. Oh, yeah. But it's like, tether two enemies together. Right. Like, two two bosses or whatever. Um, or if you just want to, like... Or an, an interesting play with, like, your, like, barbarian... Your barbarian to, like, the big bad evil guy. I was thinking that, too. Like, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you do it. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it's... If certain certain situations, it could maybe help. What about that rage Especially if the death. big bad evil guy's, like, a caster. Yeah, but also, like, the, the rage and beyond like death, where they, like, they hit zero, but yeah. they're still going because they're raging, and you just keep damaging the barbarian, and it's only hurting... The big bad evil guy. Actually, if you get your barbarian down to zero, everyone should just focus on him. And he's just like, yeah, I just sit there and take every attack that comes my way, and all that damage is going to the to so the enemy. Do you hit zero or do you hit one? If you either the other creatures are reduced to zero hit points, the spell ends. Oh, oh, I didn't read that. You have to read these. Because I know there's somewhere it's saying like, oh, if you were to hit zero, you go to one instead. I don't know. No, if that's the wording. no, rage beyond. You actually hit you, zero. You hit zero. But it, and you stay conscious. Yep. Okay. Damn, there goes that incredibly broken right <laughs> combo. When you're at fourteenth level with your zealot barbarian and strange gravity and or time wizard. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it like that, <laughs> you know, just the usual Tuesday night out with the boys. <laughs> it is officially a necromancy spell, which I think is more fitting than. Yeah. Than any of the the chronergy or graviturgy, yeah, yeah, or like if uh, an enemy's really hard to hit, like a spellcaster that's flying and staying out of range and has a bunch of protective spells up, or crazy high AC stuff like that. Again, tether to someone who's easier to hit. It's, I mean, it's kind of like a desperate tactic. Yeah, but especially in like kind of like a dark, gritty campaign. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. It. Also, once again, sets up for, for good uh, self-sacrifice. Right. Which you should not do because it's concentration. On yourself, no. No, yeah, I guess no. You, it would be more like the, the barbarian saying, like... So it, not self-sacrifice, it's just, like, sacrificing one of your bodies. Well, the barbarian willingly doing With it. Consent. Doing <laughs> With consent. <Yeah>. barbarian will <laughs> self-sacrifice. Oh, that'd be such a dick move. <laughs> No, I'm not doing that. It's like, well, I just burned a seventh level spell, and that cost 250 gold. So after this fight, which Make you're probably going to lose, with disadvantage. <laughs> right? Oh my god! <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, then you got time ravage, ninth level necromancy spell. It's a weird this will cost 5,000 gold to cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Con save, or it takes 10 to 12 necrotic damage. Which for ninth level is nothing really all that crazy. Um, but if it fails, it also ages to the point where it is only thirty days before death. 
Um, in this age state, it has disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, and its walking speed is halved. Only a wish spell or the greater restoration cast at ninth level can end the effect and return them to the previous fuck? age. It's basically like Feeble Mind, except for, for your barbarians, fighters, and monks. Yeah, I feel like I would want this... I would want a lich to have this. Yeah, like I... This isn't something like you give a player almost. Like I, I it's like more it, like it feels it's less weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird giving it to a player because if the thing fails, your you know your boss fight might just feel over. Right. It's a ninth level spell. Yeah, like, that's true. That's that's the mentality that's... behind every ninth level spell. It's no, you're right. fucking bad. You're right. You're and right. also, like, I mean, if if you when you cast ninth level spells, anything that you want to blow the sign is gonna have legendary resistances. Yeah. So you're gonna have to burn through those first, and then use time range. Right. And at that point, the fight's like, and they might, might still be over. pass the save, and they might still know. pass. And then and it's... there's the, a lot of the biggest and baddest of evil guys will not actually be affected by this. And it's like Tiamat does not have a lifespan. So that's interesting. Actually, right. you're right. How does this affect things that are considered timeless beings? I mean, if you cast this on a lich, what does it do? Probably nothing. Probably, I mean, seriously, I mean, they take the damage. They will probably 12, damage, yeah. Um, but they can't be thirty days to death. They're literally undying. I actually wish it kind of said what what happens to undead or you to... break the world, you like break... divided by zero. <laughs> there you go. They're reborn and become babies. <gasps> that was a uh, sky high. That was what they did in sky high. Which which <laughs> they reversed the sky world. high? No, they invented a ray that turns people into babies, and the evil guy shot everybody with the ray gun, and they were babies. So like the superheroes couldn't do anything. Right, that was stupid. But then they shot the bad. No, that was the greatest movie I've ever watched. <laughs> but then they shot the bad guys, and they took them as babies, and like we're gonna raise you right this time. It was. Rough. Yeah, it was. It was a really. It was a really hot take around nature versus nurture. Yeah. Like what what makes evil? Is it inherent? And that's what obviously it was going for, was trying to to figure that out, to answer that question. Old Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh yeah, she was in that. Whatever. God, I'm not rewatching good. that movie and you're not gonna make me accidentally rewatch it, so just stop. Uh, the, the last spell here, and I only want to bring it up because it's so uninteresting to me, is wrist pocket. Uh you can make an object just like disappear into an extra dimensional space for an hour and call it back for a second level spell. Yeah, it's basically like codifying the sleight of hand magic tricks where you like slip it up your sleeve. Yeah, but for a second like, level... This would be really great for like cheating on cards, but I think it should be a cantrip. It doesn't have a, a material or a verbal component, so you're right. It would just be... It would, it's basically got subtle attached to it to some extent. Yeah. But it's concentration, only lasts an hour, and takes a second level spell slot. Just so you can make something disappear for an hour and make it reappear mm-hmm. when you want. The ritual aspect of it is also kind of dumb. Oh, it is ritual. Okay. But yeah, yeah it's just not I mean, you would do it before. It really sounds like it's made for like cheating at a card game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not... Or stealing things, I don't know. So, I mean, as a wizard, yeah. learning this spell to keep as a ritual 
for when you want to cheat on a card game. I would do that. <laughs> no, it's pretty boring. I, I'm not a fan. Was this made for like a specific scene in Critical Role or I something? I know believe... some stuff exists like that. No, no, I, I, it's actually a better question than you'd expect because um, it's kind of flavor-wise fitting for for a, a character, the the wizard in it. So yeah, I mean the flavor is kind of fitting for for at least one of the characters. But it's not used. This was made specifically for this book. I can't think of one instance. If I'm wrong, I mean, you know, again, 100 episodes, so I'm not too surprised. Um, it, it, I think actually the character that I'm thinking of has a magic item that does this for free. Is it called the wrist pocket? No, it's not. Mm. It's some some different name. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't watch that closely. Come on. Uh, yeah. So overall, nothing not game breaking was introduced. I would agree. I don't think there was really any, yeah. any game breaking spells. I think what I like is that they added a lot of high level spells. These feel like high level spells. They feel rewarding for high level spells. Definitely, I'm good with that. And really, all we kind of skipped over them or lumped them together. But all of the like gravitational pull ones, I think, are, are very cool. I really like, you know, the pulse wave and um, gravity sinkhole. Gravity Fisher six levels. So that's getting pretty high up there, but all of them are just nice. And I think Will, you brought up a great point. Just they have so much, or no, it was Kevin actually. They have that like that battlefield control of being able to suck something into a specific area uh, to set up for even better AOE attacks. So yeah, overall, I like the stuff the book added. I mean, I know it's intended for a specific setting, but. You know, with D&D, people seem to like to take these official subclasses and spells out of their setting and just make it a choosable thing. Yeah. So I'm sure that's how we'll probably handle it, let's be honest. Yeah, honestly. You know, like one of our characters died in our campaign and came back as wanted to play an Echo Knight. Would you be mad about that? Not even a little bit. No, yeah, so... Obviously want to work with them to make it fit flavor-wise, to like, you know, specify why and and talk about, you know, where they learned this magic. Because I I wouldn't accept them being like, oh yeah, I was raised in this small village, and I watched my parents die, and I fight with this Echo Knight. Okay. Who's the we... Echo Knight, bud? Yeah. Oh, he's, still, he's always been there. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been oh, the Echo no. Knight. What do you mean? This guy's insane, and it's <laughs> become manifest in reality. <laughs> um, so for that, I'd like, you know, to work it in flavor-wise, but I don't think it would be impossible by any means. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I think we already said this, but I, I guess probably going forward for any multi-class discussions, these three... Well, classes will be considered in here. These two. I don't think I'm going to consider Gravitarity. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll find <laughs> a multi-class that really opens it up. Mm, eh, mm. I don't think we are. We will see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That six-level ability, I think, might be a sleeper. That's the only one. The, the, like Being able to move somebody five feet, it just, it might. It might have an opportunity. We'll find a way. Yeah. Maybe for Whips Neddington? Whips Neddington. <laughs> He was always, his biggest weakness was not being able to move people up to five feet. (laughs) And a six level dip into wizard will fix that. (laughs) See, that's the kicker with Whips Nettington. He can just keep leveling up forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's still never effective. It's like just a, um, (laughs) it's an asymptote. You're level 75. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I still, still suck. Still whips. Still nets. 
<laughs> 1d4 here, disadvantage over here. It's never good. <laughs> oh, well. All right. I think that's certainly um, enough. Weren't we doing like a giveaway or something? Oh my god, we totally are. We didn't stop for a promotional minute. All right, we'll do it now and throw the All giveaway. All right, so if you are not yet, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you can, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have a subreddit where we have you know updates of these episodes and other miscellaneous discussions. That is our Monsters and Multiclass. Follow us on Twitter at Monsters underscore Multi. And uh, we also are doing a giveaway, and that is going to be specifically on our subreddit. Uh, so find that, link to it, basically wherever you found this in the first place. And uh, yeah, it'll be giving away this book that we just talked about. I think we'll also be trying to discuss monsters from this book, at least one or two. I think there was some good ones, but this episode ran for a, a very long time. So we're going to just leave it at that. Anything else to add, Kevin? Cool. Nope. Anything Lincoln has to say? Woof. Lincoln no, has I to say I think it's good now. Okay. All right. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us next time as we discuss the Druid Monk Multiclass and Ogres from the Monster Manual and Morton Kamen's Tome of Foes. <laughs>